This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I mean, what's that football focus doing? Last week they had Brady. This week they got Brady. We're doing it. We're literally doing it differently from everybody else. As a matter of fact, moving forward from this point on, I will not make reference to PFL. Ready to get into it? Yeah, yeah. All right. We're going team by team. I would be very careful about sling and stuff. Am I going to get sued? Are we going legal on this? I like football. I like football season and all the things that go with it. Welcome in to the PFF NFL Podcast. Steve Palazzolo, Sam Monson. We're live on YouTube and throwing a bit of a curveball, maybe even a slider, maybe even a sweeper, Sam. The sweeper is the newest pitch. Sweeper? Yes. What the hell is that? Uh, multiple text messages last night, people asking what a sweeper is. Yeah. It's in between a slider and a curve. It's like a softer slider. And uh, they, like, established it as a different pitch. It's a slider. It's a soft slider. Soft slider. But we're throwing yeah. a sweeper here at our audience. We're going week five NFL preview here today. Uh, my voice is, um, I'd say we're about 65, Splitting the difference. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's not all the way back, but it's not, a, it's not what it was on Monday. Yeah. yeah. My PFF grade on Monday was probably a 20. Today we're probably in the 60s. And, uh, no, you know, I mean, you know, it, it, I think we're Monday was like high 40s, low 50s. You know, oh, okay. the Evan Neal of voices, right? It's like it's out there. It's working. It's functional. There'll be some good blocks. But it's getting its ass kicked, yeah. right? Whereas now we're somewhere in the, you know, in the 60s. We're, we're average, Creep high, average. high average maybe. We're serviceable here. And then usually we've got a, a reasonable high-end voice. Like well, if you were getting a 40s or 30s grade, that would be like constant cracking. It wouldn't even be working, right? We would be, be Kirk Cousins at the line We'd need of like closed captions for the show. Yeah. Yeah, I was, not, uh, I was not holding the team down that badly. Right. It was enough that you noticed it. But now I chugged some AG, AG, AG1 over the last couple of days, mm-hmm. and we're, uh, we're getting back on track here. Nice. Um, so, yeah, we've got a little different week. We're going to try the preview here today. On a Wednesday, so full disclosure, we do not have any information report. whatsoever. Yeah, yeah, we're lower on information right now than we normally would be, but we're going to try. Um, all because week two's Wednesday preview went went to the moon. <laughs> so we're going to see if we can do that again. So see it's what... all your fault if we if this if this is bad. It's not my voice. It's because you know you you wanted to listen. More of you wanted to listen to it. Apparently. It's just an a, it's just a little A B test. So we're going to see it again. We're doing right now. So um, the other the other good news. Um, for those in the industry, by week start. Ah, so we, yes. it's a little less work for us. Mm. You know, same pay. The industry. Yeah. But we'll, be, um, we'll still be going for two hours, I'm sure. Oh, easy. Almost certainly. So. Well, let's start that off because in addition to all the games that are happening this week, we have breaking news. We do have breaking news. You want to you wanna kick it off? The Patriots have reacquired cornerback J.C. Jackson uh, for nothing. <laughs> for a swap of a 2025 their uh, seventh, their sixth round for the Chargers' seventh round, right? They go down. 
Yeah. Yeah. And and the Chargers are picking up twelve million dollars of the money, so it's it's costing them nothing. Contract beyond that stays the same. Right. Um, yeah. It's um, you stole my joke. Yeah. This is Barstool buying. I took your this joke. This is Portnoy buying Barstool back for a dollar. I, I packaged it in a in a better form, and then I put it back out there as mine. All right. I figured you might steal. You know what? If you stole my Broncos stat on first half. 32 for 32. I should steal that. You maybe, probably, that would, maybe that would be what sends it. That could yeah. be what, what... I'm going to repackage that today, actually. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so J.C. Jackson, he was the biggest... One of the biggest free agent signings in the NFL just in the... the going into the 2022 season, just last year, almost immediately looked out of place in the Chargers scheme. He was a good uh, ball hawk within the Patriots system that played a lot of man coverage. He moved to a Chargers system that was going to play a lot of off coverage and just... Um, you know, more zone heavy, just a different, just different, right? Um, even though I like him in off coverage, but he was just better in the Patriot system. He was out of place mm-hmm. with the Chargers. Then got hurt last year, had a meniscus. He's still not completely healthy. But yeah, that original contract was a lot of money. And now he's back in New Yeah, world. and the Patriots needed to do something because rookie Christian Gonzalez looks like he's going to be done for the year with a torn labrum. So that sucks. Yeah, Patriots had, I mean, that was like one of the worst we. Uh, games in history for the Patriots. In Patriots history, they lose 38-3, to lose promising rookie Christian Gonzalez for the season with the labrum, and then Matthew Judon potentially for the season with a torn biceps. Mm-hmm. All in the same game. Yeah. So we'll talk more about New England, their game against the Saints a little bit later on. Uh, but first, let's get into this week's games. Yeah. Um, the NFL watched last year's 12-7 to Bears-Commanders game on Thursday Night Football. They heard the anxiety. Was that Commanders? Was that not Colts? No. Was there also Those a... were like back-to-back weeks, Broncos, Colts, yeah. and Bears, Because the Broncos-Colts one was the one that made me want to kill myself. Yeah. That I was... think this one started, though. This one was when you started to get Al Michaels questioning things. <laughs> Life? Yes. When he was like, I... <laughs> Is it really worth all these millions? <laughs> I signed up for this. You know? Yeah. I signed up for this. 12-7 Thursday night game, Bears and Commanders. But we have a rematch this week, Thursday night. This time in Washington. Bears at Commanders. Commanders favored by five and a half. They're two and two. Bears still winless after they were up 28 to seven last weekend against the Broncos, blew the lead, and uh, unable to make the comeback after the Broncos took the late lead. What are you looking for in this one? Well, I mean, we saw signs of life from Justin Fields in the Bears offense last week, but was that simply a product of going up against Denver, whose defense looks atrocious at the moment uh washington's defense okay it's not amazing but it's got a formidable defensive line and it's not a complete joke like denver's is currently does this revival from chicago still hold or do they go back to being the bears where they can't get anything going you know fields looks awful everything looks terrible and the whole thing is a mess again really i mean that that's this game if it's like that washington win and cover easily if however there was something to this mini revival from chicago then it's more interesting do you have an updated pace for sam howell's sacks for this season uh no let me go figure that out 27 or so so you multi i mean he's over 100 yeah the record is what 74 or something 76 i believe it was for for david carr back in 2002 um i think one of the trends of the early season here sam is teams that have a pass rush that is on paper not good run into a quarterback who makes it look good you know it was the Jaguars last week against the Falcons it was um, Sam Howell uh, against the Bills not that the pass rush for the Bills isn't good but they're not nine sacks good 
can so the bill the Bears have the very worst pass rush grade in the NFL this year, 55.4. And that's not a massive surprise, right? This was uh, in this two-year rebuild so far by Ryan Pace and the Bears. They haven't gotten to the defensive line yet, um, or they've just got younger developmental players and some, uh, you know, they just haven't done enough there. And that hasn't shown up. So my question is, is the Bears' pass rush going to look formidable all of a sudden? Now, last week, Sam Howell did a good job getting rid of the ball. They protected themselves against the Eagles' defensive front. But if there's a week where the Bears can at least, you know, create some negative plays defensively, it could be against Howell. Yeah, he only uh, took five sacks against the Eagles. Yeah. That's good. And three were from Nicholas Morrow, who was, was a linebacker. Right. That was very rare for the Eagles. He's on pace for 102. Yeah, yeah that's crazy. Uh, by the way, Daniel Jones, only two sacks behind him. So oh, it's about. he's on pace for 90-something. 90, 90 the NFC East. Where's Brandon Graham in sacks? Is that – did we uh, did we bring that back? I think you officially declined the bet this time, like a coward. Did I? I believe so. Because I, I forced you to declare it. I he's said got, it officially re... <laughs> it's a good thing you did because the man has zero. Oh, he's got zero. Okay. Yeah. In this year where he's got to... You, gets to face, you got to say, face Sam Howell last week and he yeah. gets Daniel Jones soon. Um, on the other hand, um, the, one, the biggest complaint about Sam Howell's game has been those negative plays. But as far as, you know, throwing the ball outside of the Bills game, he's been excellent. You know, whipping it around and creating some big plays. And I thought he was outstanding in that game against the Eagles, given the circumstances, trying to trying to lead a pass-happy attack. And the commander's offense has been interesting. They've been good for three out of four games, basically. Got mm-hmm. shut down against the Bills, but the other three games looking pretty explosive. So um, we had some, something else to discuss here in this game. Do we? Yeah, we get prize picks. Oh. So our friends at prize picks are back, and they've got the P- we've got the PFF prize picks lineup for Thursday night football. So we're going. We have a PFF lineup that we're going to that we're going to play every single week. Sam Howell over one and a half touchdown passes and DJ Moore, Bears receiver over three and a half receptions. Any thoughts on either of those over one and a half touchdowns for Sam Howell over three and a half receptions for DJ Moore? Uh, I like over one and a half touchdowns for Sam Howell uh, even though that's only happened once this season. Now, does he get credit what this is passing touchdowns rather than combined? It's a good question. Isn't it? I don't know. I think, does that change things? I believe it does. The run would help. Yeah. Certainly. Um, I think I like it either way against this Bears defense. Yeah. Now, he had one against Arizona, one against Philadelphia, two against uh, the Denver defense, which we talked about being (laughs) the worst defense in the NFL currently, Uh, and then obviously nothing against Buffalo. So even though there's not much of a track record of him hitting over one and a half, I like that to happen against the I like it against the Bears defense. Prize picks is a skill-based, real money, daily fantasy sports game. How does it work? You pick two to six players, and if they will go more or less than their prize picks projection, you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. Prize picks adds a ton of excitement to the sports viewing experience. Watch your progress, update in real time, win up to 25 times your entry amount, and cash out your winnings with quick scoring, setting, and withdrawals. Go to prizepicks.com slash PFFNFL and use code PFFNFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, that's prizepicks.com slash PFFNFL. Use the code PFFNFL for a first deposit match up to $100. All right, man. Let's make a pick on this one. Commanders by five and a half against the Bears. I'm kind of torn with you. Was this a rejuvenated field? Was it the in passing offense overall from the Bears? They did turn a corner last year where they looked far more explosive on offense. Is that the stretch of play that we're about to hit here in this part of the season? Hmm. Um, I don't think so. I think they're still going to be bad. 
and I don't have a ton of confidence in Washington covering any kind of significant number. So I think they'll win, but Chicago will keep it within five and a half. Oh, you're taking Chicago, huh? Yes. Okay. I'll take Chicago to, to cover. I do think there's a, a corner turned offensively. I think it's going to be better than a 12-7 to 7 game than we saw last year. That was like rock bottom for the Bears right before they started to, to come out of it last year. They came out of it and didn't win a game mm. after that. Right. But they came out of it with some optimism for their offense. The night is always darkest before the dawn. Yeah. That was the darkest point. And yeah. then the dawn was still no wins. Still waiting. Yeah. Dawn might be next next draft season. <laughs> Bears projected to have the first two picks. Well then so we far. still then we're still getting darker. Uh people asking for a picks update. Ah. I have an update. Yeah. Um, I don't have win loss record, but I have total wins. I have thirty two wins, which might match my total from last year. Could be, yeah. I have thirty two wins. So what is that? Out of, it's like thirty two and thirty two. I think I'm exactly five hundred. Exactly five hundred. And you're 25 and probably 39? I had a bad right. week last week. 25 and 39. You are, so this used to happen to me, right? You have the one week where you get 13, next week you get four. Yeah. That was you. I had four last week. That's not good. Now Harry's got 10, 9. Did I not get Harry's week one? I think Harry's week one was right there with us with eight. Harry might have as many wins in you with, as you, and we missed one of his weeks of picks. Huh. Yeah, that's not good. Just saying. I mean, yeah, I had the 13 win week. That's great. And then followed it up with four. <coughs> that's yeah. pretty bad. That's, that's called balance. Mm. Balance is off. So, yeah, I'm much better than I was last week, which is great. Um, all right, let's go to – do we have a Discord game of the week? Yes, the one in yellow, like it is every week. That's it? Yeah. All right, we're jumping right to the Cincinnati Bengals at the Arizona Cardinals. Bengals favored by three traveling to the desert. I just want to go on record. I want to be the first one maybe to declare this. I believe Joe Burrow's injury is having an effect on his play and the rest of the Cincinnati Bengals offense. Bold. Yeah. Yeah. Took me four weeks to to really really nail it down. Well, you got to give it a large enough sample size. Well, we went through this whole flow of, um, at least I did, Week one, he's kind of rusty. Well, to be right? fair, he's, the injury thing has only really been once he re-aggravated it, right? So that's only really been two weeks. True. Who did they play week two? They lose again in week – the Ravens. was a little better in, in week two. But even then, like he only – he supposedly aggravated it right at the end of that game. True. So that doesn't – like that game doesn't really count. Week, week one, one he was count. rusty. Week two, the offense was a little bit better. Yeah. Week three, re-aggravated, injured. dink and dunk offense. Week four, injured. Week four, playing through the injury and clearly looks like it. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's uh, I think it's having an effect. Yeah. On the Bengals. I mean, look, there's a you can see the change in what the offense is with they are running exclusively shotgun now, the most shotgun of any team in the NFL, which isn't normally the case. They normally run a lot of it, but nowhere near like all of the snaps, right? Which is basically what's happening right now. I That's kind just, of assume they're just trying to save a couple steps on handoff. Exactly. Basically. Yeah. I That's think it. I think they just don't want him like pounding that calf on the way, you know, back from center, getting depth, get out of there. Like the the earnest footwork the quarterbacks have to do from under center to get the hell back and get some space, they're like, leave him in the shotgun. Then he can just rock back and he's done. Um, the His average time to throw has gone from being, like he's never on the, the far end of the spectrum, you know, the, the rushing quarterbacks, the guys that always have the longest average time to throw in the NFL, but he's usually reasonably 
you know, high or in the middle, he shaved like three-tenths of a second off that on average. Now the fastest sort of average time to throw in the NFL type area. <coughs> so that has changed. The average at the target we talked about last week, it was four and a half. It's been seven or something, six or seven for the entire season. It's way down to where it usually is. Like every data point shows you that this offense, A, has changed, and B, has gotten more sort of basic and toothless just trying to protect his calf. On top of all that, despite all the investment, despite all the talk, Bengals offensive line, number 27 pass blocking grade in the NFL right now. Which is kind of hard to do when you have a quarterback getting rid of the ball quickly. Like that's, you know, usually that will... If There's it's a gonna, little bit of help. We can give you a little bit of help. Right. Well, it's going to... It just it minimizes how long you're exposed to blocking, which means by like you're automatically going to end up with a slightly better grade because you simply don't have the opportunity to get your ass kicked as much as guys who have to hold onto the ball another half second every single play. Yeah, so up front, pass blocking grades, you have Orlando Brown and Jonah Williams, you know, a little bit below average so far this season. There are some Orlando Brown detractors who will say, we told you so, so I mean, far, you and, told us. And Jonah Williams, like not bouncing back after kind of the worst season he had at left tackle, then asked to switch to the right side. It isn't resulting in a, you know, rejuvenation. But you also have under par performances from Alex Kappa and Ted Karras, guys that, you know, are usually solid. They are the epitome of creep back to an average, if not better than that, from an offensive line perspective. And then uh, Cordell Volson um, struggling once again. So it's been rough up front. It's a quick-hitting passing attack. When do, the, when do they come out of this? When do the Bengals come out of this? At what point do they just say, hey, we can't just have Jamar Chase be in a you know, horizontal receiver. we got to start throwing the ball to him down the field. T. Higgins has the injured rib, is it, right? Yeah. He's going to play through it. At what point is it just, we know we've got these dudes outside. We have to get them the ball. Can you imagine playing receiver through, an, through a broken rib? No. That sounds like it would suck. I've never broken a rib, but every time you talk to somebody that has, they're like, it's the worst pain I've ever experienced in my life. And like when I say every that... Every time you take a hit. No, no, forget the hit. When they say that, they mean like coughing. Breathing. Or yeah. breathing or moving, right? And he's out there taking a shot over the middle from a safety with that. Like, God. Okay, I would assume he's doing that with some, you know, with some pain medication involved. Having said that, that still sounds like it would suck. Oh, uh, yeah. Don't want any part of that. That'd be terrible. Do you have any other analysis on this football game, Sam? Well, I, I mean, I don't see what they can do to fix it. I don't, like, they're doing these things because Joe Burrow needs them to happen in order for his calf to be protected. Can you just go, you know what? We can't win like this, so sorry, Joe. You got to play like it's a regular game. Yeah. Go like, ham. Remember, remember when Peyton Manning would make that, the, the wide, wide zone handoff? And you got to take it from under center and sprint to a spot just to get to the mesh point to hand it off to a running back like that. Uh, the, the Bengals run more of like a mid-zone scheme. It's not as extreme. But those are the types of plays you're talking about, right? Like we have to make this quick burst, like three steps right. to go get a handoff. And that does really limit the entire offense. So in place of that, it's been dink and dunk underneath stuff, get the ball into the hands of our playmakers. And that doesn't play to the strengths of any of the receivers for the Bengals, that's not – I mean, Jamar Chase is good enough at it, but, you know, it's like asking Tyree Kill to pass block, right? I mean, it's just not what you should be doing. And um, they, they have to make some adjustments. On the other side, from a Cincinnati perspective, one of the big questions coming into the season, we've got some more information, four games in now, how are they going to do with the new safeties, Von Bell, um, Jesse Bates out, Dax Hill, Nick Scott in, both guys grading below average, especially Nick Scott. 
Mike Hilton having the worst career, worst season of his career from a grading standpoint, tons of missed tackles and just being out of position. So the some of the things that we that the Bengals needed to get better haven't, or just you know replace haven't been great. And then you've got regression in other areas. I've never noticed this before, and I don't even know if it's a long-standing thing. I need to look it up. But <laughs> we we got roped into doing some sort of scanning of those preview packets that we send out to various people as a company. And there was one nugget in there on the Bengals and Mike Hilton, who apparently, when lined up in the slot on the right side of the defense, is like the best slot defender in the NFL. When lined up in the slot on the left side of the defense, he's like 25th in every number. Is that a thing that's always been the case? Has he always been the most right-sided slot defender in the NFL? Or is this just a (laughs) weird-ass, just... Weird. completely random sequence over four months or four games weird random sequence i need yeah. to go check that because if that's a thing that's amazing that would be pretty i've funny. never heard of that before uh cardinals on the other side you got josh dobbs playing some good ball you got dennis the barbarian Gardek sitting at four sacks we know that he'll get one how about the barbarian going up against those bengals tackles something just, to keep just an eye another on. chance for sacks just another sack opportunity oh we have barbarian updates right didn't somebody it was Ron Wolfless. It was uh, Jesse the Body Ventura. Allegedly. Sound double. Allegedly. Now, that this is only named coming from, him the Barbarian. This is only coming from Simon Liang, and who knows if he's a, a reliable source or not. I oh. still think that the Barbarian and or his people decided to nickname him the Barbarian because that man gets sacks. Just Dennis Gardeck is a, is a career special teamer. All right, man. <coughs> it's the Discord game of the week, meaning... Our people in the Discord struggled with this one. They right. struggled. Do, is it, will the Bengals on the road, who have looked atrocious offensively, will they actually cover three against Arizona, who has played above their skis every single game? By the way, just one last part of that Simon Liang email about Ron Wolfley. And he said it's not even the best or worst nickname that he's invented. That would be the Japanese fighting fish, which for some unexplained reason was what he called Larry Fitzgerald. Okay. I don't know what that means. Same. But it is a pretty awesome and or terrible nickname, depending on your, uh, your point of view. Could be both. Um, I kind of like Arizona here. Home dogs. Yeah. Arizona. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they've been playing everybody tough, and this Bengals team is not the team that we thought it would be on both sides of the ball for different reasons, I think. So I think Arizona can keep this really tight, and this might be a, you know, a field goal at the end either way. Three's annoying, but I still think Arizona. All right. I don't love it. I'm going to go Cincinnati. They're just dragging me down this path again. I think they're going to try to make an adjustment. They've seen too much. Last week was rock bottom. They're starting to come out of it for the Bengals. As a parent, you've had to learn so many new skills to provide for your family, how to do copious amounts of laundry, meal plan for even the pickiest eater, and now how to protect your family's financial future. Fabric by Gerber Life provides an easy one-stop shop for your family's financial needs, offering high-quality term life insurance policies plus other financial solutions in one easy online hub. Fabric was designed by parents for parents to help you get a high-quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy in less than 10 minutes. Fabric has flexible policies that fit your family and your budget with quality policies like a million dollars in coverage for less than a dollar a day. Get your personalized quote in just minutes and then apply when it's convenient for you. It's all online and on your schedule. You can go from start to cover in less than 10 minutes with no health exam required. Join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com slash pffnfl. That's meetfabric.com slash pffnfl. M-E-E-T fabric.com slash pffnfl. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Insurance Company not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting health questions. 
Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. All right, let's go the best game of the week, Cowboys and 49ers. We'll give this a little bit of love here. Niners, Cowboys. We're going to give it more love tomorrow as well. So tune in. Again, we've got the different ah, see, yeah. We've got the different schedule this week. So Thursday becomes our mailbag, maybe extra special guest show. Last week we had JT O'Sullivan. This week we're going to have Bob Sturm, who's uh, covering the Cowboys, and uh, out on his own, covering them a little bit, doing radio down there. But we're going to talk to Bob about Dallas, what to expect there. So tune in for that. Um, but for now... And remember, that's where you can send your uh, Palazzolo for GM questions as well. So uh, NFL podcast at pff.com for any email that you want to send us. Including the guy. There was a, we had a, had a lovely email uh, yesterday. Whenever I'll tell you what I appreciate from an email standpoint. Yeah. When I'm watching the games on a Sunday, I love, and I know we have the Discord for immediate interaction. I, I can't get into the Discord during the game as much be just because I've got nine games I'm trying to watch, whatever it might be. But I have like my email on the side, and every now and again you let this thing pop up, and it'll be like, oh, like, my bet's dead, or dead in the water, you know, based off what I just saw this afternoon. I like, kind of like the live mm. emails that people are sending on a yeah. Sunday afternoon. Somebody's already offering to pay up the coffee because their, their bet is basically dead. Yeah. We had an email from somebody. The subject line was, I don't write emails like this. And then it was, uh, I just discovered this podcast. This is my second listen. Uh, Kurt Cousins to the Falcons. Remember, this was the test drive take we had on Monday. I had, dude can't pronounce words. I assume that's me. That's you, yeah. Uh, I made my peace with that, spelled P-I-E-C-E. But this is insane. Two more episodes to see if either of you have played football, study football, or even watch football. Kurt to Atlanta, you are not good at your job. So in the space of two episodes, we managed to motivate a guy that doesn't write emails like that to write an email like that. So this is presumably one of the two episodes that he'll watch. I don't know if he watched you and Trevor yesterday, right. but uh, this is our last chance to hook him. I believe that's what they call audience engagement. That man that's, is engaged. That's good engagement. Not necessarily in the right direction, but uh, he's responded to he's a thousand percent, hundred percent of the episodes he's listened to. Mm-hmm. So hopefully we can keep him engaged here. Let me reset one more time here. Do it. Dallas Cowboys at the San Francisco 49ers. 49ers favored by three and a half. Sunday night football. It was a good one. This should be a good game. Rematch from last year. The history. Cowboys and Niners were back to the 90s. A week five game of the year candidate. And um, the Niners looking just incredible. Both sides of the ball. Brock Purdy coming off a game where he went 20 for 21. One of the highest EPA games of all time. He did have a dropped interception in there that was negated. That will affect the grade, of course. Um, But the Niners offense is cooking. You don't know who's going to be cooking every single week. It could be any one of four 
superstars that they have there. The defensive line is unbelievable. And we'd say similar things about Dallas if they hadn't just had one dud against the Arizona Cardinals. <laughs> just saying, like, the other three games for Dallas, they dominated, mm-hmm. right? They won by about a million. Dak Prescott has uh, more second-most dropbacks while leading by at least 10 points, right behind Josh Allen and the Bills. Dak, I don't even know what to make of the Cowboys' offense yet. We haven't seen them in, you know, neutral game flow situations nearly as often as other teams. So Niners by three and a half in San Francisco. What are you looking for in this one? Yeah, I mean, in a, in a way, it feels like a sort of potential big game for Dallas to try and go up against another powerhouse in the NFL and show that you can hang this year and that you are for real. But ultimately, like, nobody ever doubts that during the season. It's, it's the playoffs when it matters. Like, this has been their team that keeps uh, knocking them off in the postseason. It doesn't really matter if they get one back in October, you know, the start of October. Uh, but it does matter, though. Does it? It does. It's going to matter for seeding. It's going to matter. I mean, Dallas still has to go through Philadelphia and everything, but I think there's three clear teams, top teams in the NFC right now, 49ers, Eagles, and the Cowboys. And the Cowboys might feel like little brother just trying to, like, get into the conversation, just trying to jump in. This gets them into the conversation. They'll, and then they have their chance to face Philly twice. Yeah. They'll get into the conversation. They'll be in the mix for the number one overall seed. Sure. That's huge. Does it matter, though? I mean, they've the last... I mean, if it's like it doesn't matter, <coughs> it doesn't make it more or less likely that they're going to win in January. Right. That's my point. Like the game they goofed away. A but it does years matter because that game in January could be in, in Dallas versus San Francisco. Right. But as, might have as a of yet, that hasn't made a difference. <laughs> they've lost both, both ways. They've lost at home, they've lost on the road. Like the point is, as long as you can't beat this team in January, it doesn't really matter whether you're at home or on the road. And I'm not sure winning. On October, the first week of October changes that at all. You're like the worst hype man ever. I mean, imagine you. Imagine you. You, you talk about Joe Rogan all the time. Oh, he can hype it all up. You're just like the opposite. I'm over here trying to tell you about it's the game of the year. Yeah. You know, the boss is calling it. He's trying to get some good ratings and everything. You know? And you're over there. Eh, it doesn't matter. It's week five. Who I'm cares? I'm not waiting matter. all day for Sunday night. I don't care. I'm just. I'm not saying it doesn't matter. I'm just saying. You're I'm, not going to wait all day for Sunday night on Sunday is what you're telling me. I'm not sure it has the galvanizing effect on Dallas that people are ascribing to it like it's an important game because it might give you an indication of whether they're good or not but I don't know that it matters if they win this game or not I think there's some indication that they can that they can beat these best teams right because look last year the Eagles were a better team the Cowboys beat the Eagles when Gardner Minshew came in they didn't beat them with Jalen Hurts I think they had um, Cooper Rush the first time around so Dallas doesn't have a win over the, the juggernaut that is the recent Jalen Hurts Eagles. They don't have a win over the 49ers in recent history here. Like at One of these times, they have to get over the hump and show that they can do it. The Cowboys have to show, I think, to me, they're not just front runners. They're not just beat up on the Giants in prime time in the rain. right? They're not just beat up on the Patriots. They're not just beat up on teams. And I think, they, I think they're more than that. I think they're absolutely more than that. And um, the consistency factor, though, with Dallas – Bringing it week to week. They're going to have to bring it this week. And that game in San Francisco, was, I think, was a huge disappointment last year in the playoffs. Because I don't like the Niners didn't play great. I don't think they didn't dominate or anything. Dak had some turnovers, and Dallas was unable to take advantage of their opportunities. So now they have a chance to. And uh, one thing I want to ask Bob Sturm is what he thinks about Mike McCarthy's offense through four games. I don't think we have much information because of the game flow situation. We haven't seen much. We're going to learn a lot more, I think, finally, in week five here. Um, 
we have one of those fascinating dynamics where we could have one of the most in amazing one-on-one -on -one matchups in the NFL. If Micah Parsons decides to go up against Trent Williams on a regular basis, that's fireworks. Trent Williams, I think, is still the best left tackle in the game. Micah Parsons is one of half a dozen edge rushers <clears throat> or defenders who at the moment have an argument to be the best defender in the game. He's a superstar. If those two match up regularly, that'll be amazing must-watch TV. On the other hand, on the other side of the line is Colton McKivitz. And if you're Micah Parsons, why would you spend a single snap against Trent Williams? Like, for, for, the, for the challenge? Like, what's the point? Micah Parsons should be able to whoop Colton McKivitz every single snap. Talking to Marcus Lawrence, though. Yeah, yeah, but, I mean, Parsons is better. So why would you do it? It's easier to attract more attention. You might get a one-on-one -on -one with Trent. I mean, even if you could dictate that, that he's going to get an extra blocker over there every single snap, that's worth doing for the – like, that's worth sacrificing yourself to do that. I just don't – I never understand in these dynamics, like, why you would ever spend any of your snaps against the good player when you can instead identify the crappy player and just go nuts on them. But we also know the Cowboys will move him around. I think – I mean, Micah Parsons has an advantage against everybody. But he'll have a chance against the guards. They'll stunt a ton, as you've highlighted many times. It's a challenge for this 49ers offensive line, which, by the way, when we look at pass blocking grade, they're in the bottom third of the league as well. Yeah, it's not great. And despite, you know, again, maybe we have underrated Brock Purdy a little bit. He's under pressure. They're dealing with the blitzes a lot. And, um, you know, Purdy keeps delivering. Um, three teams are in a different stratosphere as far as team pass rush grade goes and two of them are in this game Niners are number one Cowboys are number three in PFF pass rush grade the fourth team is the Rams and they're about 10 points behind the Cowboys so the best pass rush teams in the NFL Niners Browns and Cowboys so we're going to see um, just elite play along the defensive line and I think for both offenses it's going to be how how well do they handle that yeah and Dallas have been generating pressure at just an absurd rate relative to everybody else this year so that, that side is going to be a really interesting battle. Two amazing defenses, two amazing pass rushes going up against two very different offenses. Like, it doesn't seem to matter anything in, in terms of weakness or anything that they face running into this 49ers offense. It's just cooking right now. The skill position players are too good. Brock Purdy's holding up his end of the bargain. Kyle Shanahan's doing his piece. So everything is working. Nobody's able to stop it. Uh, Dallas think have some more question marks because we've seen them at least run into something um but i mean this should be just in abstract terms in a single game it should be a really exciting game to watch i just don't know that it matters who wins do you know if brandon cooks is healthy we don't have injury reports here no so when i say we don't know much about mike mccarthy's offense or even dak so far this season average depth of target is 6.2 for dak prescott and i don't think it's because it's systematically conservative or anything it's really because they've been playing with massive leads for the most part other than week three when they had to play catch up against arizona so one of my offseason takes was hey brandon cooks is a huge addition to <coughs> dallas let's michael gallup michael gallup becomes the best number three in the nfl and you've got these young tight ends that are athletic and cd lamb's your star like this is the game i think they have to show all of that whether cooks is out there or not they have to show that. I think this has to be a game where Dallas is throwing the ball down the field and flipping the field and making big plays. I don't expect the dink and dunk Cowboys offense that we've seen three out of the four weeks here. Last week, um, you know, 
probably their three biggest receivers were, ended up being Jake Ferguson, tight end, Jalen Tolbert, the rookie that I liked coming out and then did absolutely nothing in his rookie season, and Michael Gallup, who spent last year basically recovering from being hurt. Like, if those three actually end up being significant parts of this offense, on top of the, the CeeDee Lamb dynamic and Brandon Cooks, you know, when he's healthy, like, that's an incredible group if they if that was for real now it was against the Patriots who yes have a very good defense but once Christian Gonzalez went down basically had no cornerbacks so that's going to help but still that was I think an encouraging sign for Dallas that those three in particular were like the three biggest receivers in that game um, Dallas's run defense has been a big question over the last couple of years uh, a little hit or miss this year you know played well against the Jets in week two got run over by the Arizona Cardinals in the game that they lost in week three. Christian McCaffrey and the Niners, I, I was I was half-joking yesterday on Twitter. I got into MVP discussion, Sam. Ooh. Yeah. You know I hate him. You know yeah. I don't like him. But you also know, on Monday morning, when we wake up on Monday morning, no matter how it happens, unless Micah Park, like, here's three scenarios, right? Dallas wins, and people are like, have, I didn't think about it. But Dak Prescott should be in the MVP conversation because Dallas just won, and they're 4-1. Like, he's not in the conversation today. But if, he win, if they win Sunday night, people are going to say, Dak's an MVP. Unless Micah Parsons has, like, five sacks, they're going to say, well, Micah Parsons is the MVP. He's better than Lawrence Taylor. The other option would be the 49ers win, and then it'll be Christian McCaffrey is the MVP. Or maybe maybe Brock Purdy starts to get some love because the stats are out of this world. McCaffrey's already getting the, the MVP, McCaffrey's right? already getting a little bit. But when we wake up Monday morning, if the Niners win, McCaffrey does his 100 yards, couple scores, the answer will be McCaffrey. I will say, though, of all the running backs that we've poo-pooed as MVPs over the last couple of years, is McCaffrey the best? To me, I think McCaffrey and maybe Derrick Henry might have the best cases as the drivers of this offense. Not even the drivers of this offense. It's really difficult to say with the Niners because Ayuk and Debo and mm -hmm. Kittle are there. But the Niners still do a great job of putting McCaffrey into the scheme. He's creating big plays, pass game and run game. And the offense, it was with Purdy too, but the offense has been completely different since they traded for Christian McCaffrey. But that's the thing. It's uh, <laughs> There's always... It's always a confounding factor. Very confounding. I know. I'm just saying, so McCaffrey should have some success, I think, on the ground against Dallas when they've been challenged by a good running attack, which they haven't much this year. I think the Niners have some success here. Mm -hmm. I agree. Great. You're doing a great job today. Thanks. Appreciate you. Do you have anything else to add to this game? No. I'm giving you my analysis. All right. I'm happy with it. Give me your pick. I'm going to stand on my analysis. Uh, I think the 49ers win and cover because Dallas hasn't beaten them for a while. The last time they beat them wasn't even one of those games where it means anything because the quarterbacks, I think, were C.J. Beathard and Andy Dalton. It's like, that doesn't count. Can't put that in the record book. It was a legend, legendary game. That needs an asterisk next to it. You can't, like, that doesn't, can't have that in the sequence. I'm going to hate myself for this one. Taking Dallas. <laughs> I think for this one, Brock, like, Brock Purdy's good, man. He's good. He's also had incredible turnover luck. If he does that against Dallas, they're ball hawks. They've got this turnover history. Those will catch up here. Not incredible today. turnover luck, right? He's got zero interceptions. He's got like four or five, six turnover-worthy plays. Yeah, no, but his, no interceptions. His turnover-worthy play rate is still extremely not no, extremely low. It's, it's not low. it's not like he's throwing the ball to the defense more often. It's that he's got zero turnover. He's got zero picks. He's got two fumbles yeah. in there, maybe three. 
It's because he's got zero interceptions when he should have. Right. I'm five. just not sure that counts as incredible luck. It depends on the perspective here. It's, <laughs> I'm not using the percentage as the luck. I'm using the percentage of what becomes a turnover yeah. as luck. Okay. You got that? I, I've got it. I just think it's, it's a bad way of looking at numbers. All right. Great. All right. Let's get through the rest of the games here. Yeah. That's, that's the idea show. of this show. It's a great show. Uh, London game. Jacksonville Jaguars at the Buffalo Bills. London at. again. Buffalo, Buffalo's the home team here. That's why they got to pick That's why they got the hotel. Yeah. It's the home team hotel. Uh, 9.30 a.m., so get ready. Buffalo's favored by five and a half here. How many of those games have we got? Nine in the morning games? Because there's Germany games as well, right? There's a Germany game. They're even earlier. I assume they're not putting them on earlier because that would be harsh. No, they're the same time. Yeah, but Germany is an hour ahead at least is what I'm saying. Naturally, yeah. So how many of these 9 a.m. starts have we got? I don't know, man. There's usually four in the season. Oh, God. Right? Let's just go. Let's just, I'll just look them all up. <laughs> you talk about the game. It's a very important question we have to answer live on the air here. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I mean, look, Jacksonville bounced back last week and finally started getting some, like, reward for the good plays they've been making, or at least the good plays that Trevor Lawrence has been making. This one next week. Great. Um, and they're a better team when that happens. I mean, I thought I think last week showed a much better indication of what Jacksonville is than the two previous games, even if they hung pretty tough with Kansas City. Uh, but Buffalo legitimately looks like arguably the best team in the NFL outside of that Jets game, which is basically entirely down to Josh Allen melting down in the game. There's three more after this week. <sighs> okay. Where are Colts Patriots playing? Are they in Germany too? Are they doing two Germany games? I don't know. We got Ravens-Titans. You have the Chiefs-Dolphins game, and you have Colts-Patriots. After this week's Josh Allen versus Josh Allen game. And then you got uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick out there with Jameson trying to pitch for a Dublin game, an Ireland game. Seen that ad? No. Ryan Fitzpatrick and Jameson Whiskey. They're oh, calling, they a game there. calling for a game in Dublin. Oh, nobody wants to go there. <laughs> Irish don't know football. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. I mean, my biggest question here, I didn't listen to what you were saying. No. My biggest question is, can the Jags hang with the best? Hmm. Did you ask that? Did you ask that question? No. You, you can ask it entirely un, unencumbered. This is the best show we've done in a while. The Jags Certainly since yesterday. kind of hung with the uh, Chiefs a couple weeks ago, but ended up pretty disappointing. 17-9 loss, the offense. They were dropping some passes, a lot of, a lot of just misses there yeah. for the Jags. The, coming into the season, now look, they're just sitting here at 2-2, two and two. In the AFC South. But coming into the season, the Why Jags everybody were... everybody else. With everyone else. The Jags were supposed to be the team to beat in the South, the team that was going to be joining the Chiefs and the Bengals and the Bills as the, as the best teams in the conference. And I want to know if they can do it. They, at some point, they need a signature win. At some point, they need to show that they could hang with the best. Can they do it here on was, their home turf in London? <laughs> on their home turf in London. Was, it the la was the last time these two teams played the previous Josh Allen game? I don't think so because I feel like we've done that before. Have we've done it game. before. The previous Josh Allen game was 9-6. to six. Yeah, but it was Josh Allen, the other Josh Allen, the defensive end Josh Allen yeah. going crazy and dominating and getting like a strip sack and an interception, like multiple defensive scores against the Josh Allen that everybody recognizes. Because I feel like we've, we've done this analysis. We've exhausted the Josh Allen versus Josh Allen analysis. I don't know that you could exhaust it after that game. Did they play last That game year? was so... You know, so dominant. We get some they, fact checkers have to in give here. Him credit. So I'm not doing it. See, look, he's even got a higher grade this year. What more do you want? 
Maybe it's time to start reversing which Josh Allen is the other Josh Allen. Wow. The best Josh Allen resides in Jacksonville. I'm just saying, the Jacksonville Josh Allen got here first, right? He was in the league first. Uh, dominated the last time, maybe. That is the last time, yeah. That they played 7, each other. 2021. Okay. And has a higher PFF grade this year. I mean, those are three separate ways that he deserves to be the Josh Allen. Well, this Josh Allen, I don't need to piss off Bills fans anymore. Because <laughs> I simply said, why do we have to flip Josh Allen from the Bills into number one in the MVP race just because they, they won last week? Against the Dolphins. Yeah, maybe this is time. Jaguars, Josh Allen. My, my point always is Josh Allen of Jacksonville yes. needs more help. Josh Allen of Jacksonville. Yeah, he needs more help. Because, you know, he went off last week against the Falcons. He can't be the only guy. They need. God damn it. He wasn't even the first one in. The, the Bills, Josh Allen, was in the NFL first by a year. Yeah, he was. Okay, so only two out of the three ways does the Jacksonville Josh Allen deserve to be the Josh Allen. Well, he won last time, too. That's what I'm saying. That's nine one of, to six. That's one of the ways. Jags weren't even good that year. No, they ended up having the number one overall pick. Remember? Oh no, yeah. they were coming off the number. That one game pick, made no, made no sense, and it only happened because the the Jags Josh Allen crushed the Bills Josh Allen. Um, J- Bills Josh Allen coming off one of those. I mean, his the ceiling games for Josh Allen are just ridiculous. A playoff game against New England a couple of years ago. The playoff game against Kansas City. He just doesn't miss throws. Hits a ton of big-time throws, you know, picks up passing yards, rushing yards, and the, the offense looks unstoppable. There's I don't know a, how you bottle that up and make it every week, but yeah. that's what we just saw last week from Josh we, Allen of the Bills. We've seen the full range of possible Josh Allen outcomes in four games already this season. Like, I genuinely think that his ceiling is up there with I, – I don't think you can limit this. I think there's a few quarterbacks who, if they have their very best game where they play at their peak for the entire performance – they're basically untouchable. But I think several of them can get into that same category. Like, obviously, Mahomes, I think if you get the best game Justin Herbert plays, it's at that level. The best game Joe Burrow plays is at that level. Matthew Probably Stafford. Matthew Stafford as well, um, and maybe a couple of other guys. But Josh Allen is there. When he has his best game, it's basically impossible for a defense to stop. And it becomes one of those games where, you know, it's really just a case of who has the ball last. And we've seen that from Josh Allen this season. We've also seen that Jets game where he had a complete implosion and you got the bad end of it. But, you know, if he's able to maintain the level he's been at since that game, like the Jags defense can't stop it. Just my quick take here on the whole MVP nonsense, just to enlighten our listeners. The thing that frustrates me is, and I know the market is more like predicting what's going to happen. And if I was predicting MVP, I would also put Josh Allen over Tua. I get that. It's more like the analysis of, well, Tua was the MVP frontrunner, and Josh Allen just won the game most recently that we saw over Tua. Therefore, flip it. Like, it's a horse race. Like, this guy was first, this guy was second, now switch it. And it's, like, completely forgetting. It's just so much recency bias. It's completely forgetting. Oh, like, if you were saying, like, who will be the MVP at the end of this year, I think you can absolutely put Josh Allen in that conversation. If you're saying who is the MVP through the first quarter of the season, quarter of a 17 game, you can't have Josh Allen in there. The dude was like the worst quarterback in the NFL for one quarter of that quarter. Like right. 25% of the season, he was as bad as a quarterback gets. That's Therefore, he can't win MVP for this chunk of play. That's Anybody point. else can be like, pick your Jared Goff has a better case to be the first quarter MVP than Josh Allen because Jared Goff didn't go out there and like literally throw a game away to the opposition. 
yeah, one and, of those four performances. And that would be my point in like the three and one Bills and the three and one Dolphins. Tua's game last week against the Bills it was a bigger game, but he wasn't as nearly as bad as what Josh Allen was in Week One against the Jets. Like they literally lost the game because of Josh Allen in Week One. And Week One counts as much as Week Four and as much as Week Seventeen. That's my whole point with all of that. I've remained similar in this stance. I was, uh, you know, saying the same thing a couple years ago with the Brady Rogers debate. Like, don't sit there and overrate the most recent thing you said. More importantly, in this game, there's a lot of interesting storylines. Von Miller is uh, accepting accepted back at practice now. As far as the uh, right, they've return, opened his return, window. Return to practice for injury. You don't think he's going to play? He said he wants to play. I don't think he'll play. They just opened his practice window, which gives them 21 days before they need to actually put him on the field. He said he I, wants to play. I think for an edge defender, you can go out there, rush the passer 15 times, it'd be all right. You might be able to, but if you're Buffalo, what's the why? Why would you want to risk that? Like, win the game. Ease him back. They're probably going to win the game anyway. Cam Robinson also back at practice. Now that Jags. one is a bigger deal. Yeah, and uh, they've been okay at left tackle. It's everywhere else that's been an issue. So um, Buffalo, of course, without Tredavious White for the rest of the season, but their defense has been really tough. I think it's going to be a challenge for this Jags offense to one keep thing, things going. One thing that's different about Buffalo this year relative to last year, remember one thing was coming into the season, you're like, remember how banged up that secondary was last year? And if they can avoid that this year, they're automatically better. Now, Tredavious White goes and pops an Achilles. You're like, okay, maybe that one's not going to be any different. Remember the offensive line last year was actually pretty bad? They, they've had this what looks like a fairly deliberate team-building strategy of let's – shoot for average let's not even try and creep back there let's just target average as the plan for the offensive line limited investment um and let's try and get a league average offensive line and the risk with that strategy is you know we say all the time if you have an average offensive lineman when he runs up against miles garrett tj watt you know aaron donald whoever he's gonna lose and he's gonna lose bad and that's the game that makes everybody think he doesn't belong in the NFL. He should be playing in Canada like this guy's a bum. But that's just the reality of an average player. Now, when you have five of those guys and you run up against a pretty good defense or a pretty good player or simply they catch the bad end of their range of outcomes collectively, now you've all of a sudden not got an average offensive line. You've got an offensive line that's crappy. And that's kind of what happened for the Bills last season. Now all those guys are actually playing more like, you know, the – average to above average lineman that they are and that makes a big difference to that offense it's a really good point sam because they are catching the better end of variance getting the rookie osiris torrance playing pretty well number one pass blocking grade in the nfl is buffalo that would be unexpected beginning of the year they're right in the middle of the pack as far as run blocking goes but pass pass protecting pretty well against the jags team as i said uh trayvon walker's got eight pressures in four games Josh Allen is the only guy that's actually getting after the quarterback. I think Buffalo could be one of those games where they have their way offensively here. Would you put Cam Robinson straight back into the lineup, bearing in mind that Walker Little has been their best offensive lineman and might be better? No, I don't know. <coughs> to I me, also it's don't like, know that you can – you can't – I mean, who would you – like if you were going to put him back in and you wanted to retain Walker Little, I don't know. What like who do here. you put at right tackle? You probably I don't know what I mean, I don't know what their plan was before the season, but they drafted Anton Harrison not just to like fill in right. for a few weeks, but it might be Walker Little to right tackle as, you know, risky as that is to move him. Yeah. I mean there's no evidence that he's a good right tackle. 
Walker Little, 75 grade, number two grade on the entire offense for the Jags so far this year behind Trevor Lawrence. Um, anyway, so Bills by five and a half. To me, potential statement game for the Jags. Do they belong with the best teams? Can Lawrence go, not that he has to have a game exactly like what Josh Allen had last week, but he's got to have one of those carry the team type of games, I believe. Calvin Ridley's got to catch the ball, got to get him back involved. Yeah, I mean, not, not so much back involved, but continue to spread the ball around. And whoever's open is open. So we'll see if Lawrence and the Jags can hang. Bills by five and a half. Where are you going? Uh, Bills. Give me um, – the more I talk through it, I like the Bills. But I was feeling the Jags coming in. <laughs> First instincts, right? Memories of Fred Taylor and uh, Jimmy Smith. Oh, man, it was so great. Mark Brunel. You want to talk about it? No, never. Running backs mattered when Fred Taylor was playing. Yeah. They absolutely mattered. Um, we're at an incredible pace here. We got 19. Bye week. Yeah, we'll be out of here quick. Uh, t- Tennessee Titans at the Indianapolis Colts. We have the Colts favored by one. Um, I don't know if it's lazy analysis, but and I don't know where I'm going to land with it. But the Titans are on the road. <laughs> you don't know if that's lazy analysis. What is it? Is it what, what, what's the struggle for the Titans? Is it road games? Is it odd weeks? Is weeks one oh, and three? Weeks. Is it odd weeks? A uh, couple numbers here just to back it up. Just using Ryan Tannehill, but it's the entire team. Ryan Tannehill's PFF grade on the road, 58.2. At home, 85.4. Passer rating is 43. This is just this year? On the, just this year. Okay. Through, through four weeks. 43 at, on the road, 113.5 at home. I mean, it's like a very simple flow chart here. Yes. Are the Titans on the road? Yes. Oh, they're rebuilding. Ryan Tannehill has lost it. Are they at home? Yes. It's the same Titans team. It's the 2021 Titans that had the number one overall seed. Tannehill is awesome. Derrick Henry is difficult to tackle. And Mike Vrabel's coach of the year. But they're on the road here at Indianapolis. So what do you do with that? Have you considered the impact of the teams that they have played on the road and at home in the first four weeks of the season? Chargers and Bengals at home. Right. The, the Chargers have terrible defense, and the Bengals this year have had a pretty bad defense. Conversely, on the road, they face Cleveland, who have like the 85 Bears Yeah, defense. but is that chicken or the egg there? And the Saints. Is Cleveland's defense great because they played the Titans on the road? No. Because that's one game out of four. Maybe. I, I don't who think. Who else on the road? The Saints. Saints. Yeah. I mean, they're hit or miss. Right. But they hit. I mean, to answer your question, yes, it's lazy analysis. And, in fact, bad analysis, I think, at least for the moment. What if I make it odd week? And it's odd week. It's going to be tough. Then I think it's even worse. Okay, yeah. thanks. It's a division game, though, too. Uh-huh. What making does that it, do to you? Making it more difficult. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, God. I just think they're interesting splits to keep an eye on right now. They're interesting splits. I, I don't believe they are particularly significant interesting splits. I wonder if Tennessee, like this is the stuff coaches do. Like, man, we've been trash on the road. We got to do something different. Like, we're gonna fly <laughs> in earlier. We're gonna we're gonna change the pregame meal time. Like, something that we're gonna drive instead of fly. You know, they're gonna do something different. That's what I was gonna. How how many how many games exist in the NFL where they they drive, they get the bus? They I bet all... Cincy and Indy probably do it. Right. That's two and hours. That's it. It's got to be it. Jets Giants. Yeah, I mean, obviously. <laughs> but, like, even how far is, like, there's a Nashville bunch of stuff. Nashville to Indy is probably four hours, five hours. It's yeah, four five. hours to you, now maybe six. Probably, yeah, yeah, more than that. 
But um, there's probably a bunch of stuff east that's drivable. Like no. DC to, like, if Baltimore ever plays DC. DC and Baltimore, yeah. I mean, you're bringing it today from an analysis standpoint, too. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's uh, there's more signal on that than there is the four-week road home I'm splits. I'm bringing home bringing road in. splits, and you're over here like, hey, I wonder if they're driving. I'm just curious. I don't think it impacts whatsoever. I'm just, this is what we do on this show. We have we no on, injury report. Is Bernard Ryman coming back for we the We go goals? on tangents and discuss it. Yeah. That's why the people love us. Yeah. Anything else you're looking for in this game? I brought mine. I mean, look, Anthony too. Richardson was pretty impressive last week. He had a bunch of passes that were like, he's starting to have that. He's actually fitting quite neatly into that Andrew Luck thing, right? Where the style points look spectacular. But overall, it's not necessarily producing amazingly right now. You know? I would not make that comparison. No. Why not? I don't. I just don't. I don't know. I, that's not where I would go with the it. The perception on Andrew Luck was consistently higher than his PFF grade for basically the entirety of his career. So you're until, saying. Until right at the end where he looked amazing, played amazing, and then he retired. So you're talking about the, um, the Twitter sphere, the, the reaction to how well. To what Anthony Richards is doing on the field. Yeah, I mean, I think right now you're going to... I mean, Dan Orlovsky did that thing. We're doing the Cam Newton thing again, right? Where he pulled up this one play that's like a pinpoint bullet. He's like, accuracy issues. You're like, well, yeah, not on that play, but like overall, yes. Oh, yeah, that's just annoying. Yeah, that's really annoying. Yeah. Yeah. But this is... We're going to be doing this it, again. Two things can be true. Quarterback is overall inaccurate inaccurate on more passes than his peers yes even in this and he game also has some awesome very accurate passes even in this game his adjusted completion rate was 56.5 percent yeah that's atrocious there was a pre the the preseason game he had whatever it doesn't matter he has the lowest i think adjusted completion rate in there's the there's elements of that sam because he'll have there was Sorry, one game the he threw an absolute dart in the preseason and i had missed it and i circled back and i saw the box score and he was like nine for 28 or whatever it was. right it's not the lowest it is in fact he's higher than kenny pickett and jordan love in terms of adjusted completion rate this year uh but the point being this is a, it's exactly the same conversation as cam newton cam newton had some of the most amazingly pinpoint accurate throws any quarterback has ever had but when you up the sample size from one to 600, he was one of the least accurate quarterbacks in the NFL. That is currently where Anthony Richardson is. He has some of the most amazing pinpoint accurate throws in football, but when you up the sample size to what is currently 141 dropbacks, sorry, 85 dropbacks for him, 141 for Pickett, uh, he becomes one of the least accurate quarterbacks in the NFL. It's just a case of what sample size are we dealing with here. All that said... I'd be encouraged by what I've seen from Anthony Richardson. Yes. I think they've shown that. That's why I'm saying yeah, it's the Andrew Luck him. thing. They can use him in the run game a little bit. He makes some of those spectacular throws, and I think it's when he's missing throws, it's like, all right, it, that's the question, right? The throws that he's been missing, when and if he just starts hitting some of the easy stuff, when and if he just starts hitting some of those. But there's, there's an impressive comeback last week against the Rams, and um, yeah, I'd be encouraged. I think the biggest thing for him is he's showing what we articulated at draft time, which is he's not, you know, wildly raw and completely incapable of this. Like, he's ready for this. He just needs the experience, and he needs to improve that accuracy to hit, you know, an incredible, an incredible ceiling. But I think the ceiling is clearly there. Like, that, those pinpoint passes, what he can do on the ground, the fact that he isn't, like, completely lost in and over his head – 
already I think we have a fairly clear defined ceiling of genuine greatness um, and the fact that he isn't completely lost shows that we can work towards that now we just have this open question of how much can you improve this accuracy because these throws of pinpoint precision suggests there's something there but we also know it's generally quite hard to get a guy from like a 55% passer to a 65% passer it happens Josh Allen did it other guys have done it but it still doesn't happen every year you know Josh Allen Lamar Jackson number one and two in the NFL right now I believe in completion percentage. <laughs> yes the two most drastic uh I don't even want to say accuracy improvements because I still don't think Lamar is accurate but he completes a higher percentage of passes um, but they had the biggest jumps you know I still think Al I think Allen went to become a more accurate passer I think Lamar co- completes a higher percentage of his passes but either way um we're gonna go in this one Indy by one uh, by the way, one question here. Uh, my, my friend Blake Freeland, the left tackle for the Colts, got beat up last week against the Rams. If he has to play again for Bernard Ryman, watch him against Arden Key. Very different assignment this week. Aaron yes. Donald one week, Arden Key the next. It wasn't just Donald's, but like the Rams went and right, tried major- to exploit that. Right. A large part of his problems came against Aaron Donald. <clears throat> uh, hmm. I, I'm going to go with the Colts, I think starting to buy into this yeah i really want to take tennessee so right here's what i battle recency bias versus they're on the road yes Mm. the last week we saw the titans they look good old school titans they're back but now they got to go on the road so i'm gonna give the home road analysis one week oh god one week so i'll take indy to cover the one okay guess who's back though guess who's really back manscaped yeah. We're brought to you by Manscaped today. And they've taken their own step up from Balloween. Balloween? Mm-hmm. Halloween's coming up. Balloween to bring your face the cleanest shave it's ever seen. So this season, no need to toil and trouble. Manscaped, their all-new handyman, is the best way to get rid of that stubble. Featuring a compact design and next-gen skin-safe technology. They can use it on your face now. The Handyman was designed to give you that smooth finish without the mess of a traditional shave. Get the sweetest treat this Halloween by going to manscaped.com and use code PFF for 20% off plus free shipping. Maybe spooky season, but you don't want to scare people with that scraggly beard, Sam. You got I mean, I need full report from you on this thing. Give them something to look at with Manscaped's Handyman. I'll give you a full report because I shave once a week. And, right, uh, I haven't shaved my face. I'll do it once a week with in this. years, because you know, I don't like I don't like my neck looking like a scary movie, you know. So I want I want the real shave. Yeah, I can't I can't give feedback for the what is this the handyman the actual face shaving thing, but I can give full endorsement to the beard trimmer, which is coming up later in your uh, your yeah. read. But the handyman skin safe technology to help reduce nicks and cuts, you could finally feel confident when going for that close shave. For wet or dry use, feel free to bring this anywhere and everywhere. The compact design and airplane friendliness make this the perfect travel tool on the go. And being able to shave up to three days' growth without a mess of a wet shave is priceless. And for the Wolfman, with a little more scruff, Manscaped's Beard Hedger Pro Kit has everything you need to tame your mane. This cordless trimmer has a rotary wheel that gives you 20 hair-cutting lengths, all with one guard, so no more drawers of full of extra add-ons collecting cobwebs. That's right, your Halloween costumes may take effort, but beard grooming doesn't need to when you get 20 different beard lengths in just one guard. Mm -hmm. Beard Hedger is a high-tech piece of art. 
and a travel size package with a long lasting battery, universal charger, and strong motor. There's no trick with this treat. Manscaped has you covered. So you get 20% off and free shipping with the code PFF at manscapes.com. That's 20% off, free shipping, manscapes.com. Use the code PFF. For a look as sweet as candy, get yourself the handyman from Manscaped. So you give me the report on the beard hedger. Beard trimmer thing is awesome. It's genuinely. Like, I I'm rocking the handyman. It I, will, uh, we will report back. I used it yesterday. To anyone. As you can tell, the noggin is freshly shaved, which requires the, you know, the fading thing to be done between beard and head. And you need the beard trimmer for that. Perfect. And we got somebody uh, razzing us in the chat here. Yeah. For what? Hey, Malik says anybody could do our job. I mean, that's true. What if I just left? Well, then we get him in. You can come do the job. Plug any two people in care. the chair. We already hit our numbers. What am I doing here? Right? Sure. Houston Texans at the Atlanta Falcons. 1 p.m. game. C.J. Stroud tearing it up, man. What's PFF Bobby going to do against this Falcons defense? That's a good matchup. It's a good matchup. Falcons yeah. are making some plays defensively. Yeah, I mean, the analysis in Atlanta doesn't change. Like, their offense is interesting to watch no matter what happens. And, you know, Desmond Ritter last week, absolute disaster. When, when that happens, they're not going to win. Uh, but it's a difficult it's a difficult proposition for any for any defense to have to contend with. But the PFF Bobby CJ Stroud matchup is cooking right now. Like everything is working. They're dialing up the correct thing. CJ Stroud is not being forced beyond his number one guy that often. Uh, Nico Collins is having this insane season where not only is he putting up crazy production, but on a per catch basis, it's out of this world as well. Um, and lower down that depth chart, they're they're having legitimate contributors as well. So, dude, the I mean, the Bobby Slowick, CJ Stroud axis is phenomenal at the moment. The uh, top three quarterbacks in yards per attempt in the NFL. Uh, I forget who's number. I think it's Brock Purdy, number one. I just know it's Purdy, Tua, and Stroud. And, you know, so I'm going to make a pitch. Jordan Rodrigue, she did the play, the play callers mm -hmm. before the season. Why wasn't, Bob, why wasn't Bobby one of the play callers? Get Bobby in there. There's no way Bobby would have talked to that. Oh, no. He would have been easily the most boring guy on there. Bobby, like the, the single worst aspect in his mind, I'm sure, of, you know, this track that he's on now, right? Offensive coordinator, things are going well. Shanahan tree, head coach is around the corner somewhere, right? The single worst part about that in his mind is the amount of people I'm going to have to talk to in front of a camera. Yeah. Don't want it. Don't want it. Not that he's not good at it. It's just he doesn't just like it. Just hates it. Yeah. <laughs> he just doesn't want to be talking to the media. Yeah. I'm not saying he would have been bad at the show. He's a, he was on the podcast. He was on we the show. on the podcast. Yeah. But, uh, they, you know, he wouldn't want to talk to anybody. Nico Collins, number four in yards per route run so far this season. Do you know He's, number one, two, and three are? Uh, two of them are obvious. Tyreek Hill, Brandon Ayuk. Correct. And um, Puka. No. This, was, this, this is the really obvious one. They have to set the... Oh, Marvin set, Mims. There you go. You have to set the bar low enough to get him What's in. What's Mims? Is he down under seven yet? Mims is currently averaging 6.21 yards per route run. So right. every time he's on the field running a route, that offense gains six yards. Just average. to him. Yes. Not the offense. To him. On average. Every time he plays football. Right. He is gaining six yards on average. He's gaining six yeah. yards. That's right. Crazy. Which is absurd. It's, it's actually tough to put that in perspective that people – I tried to – Another bad caption tweet last week to try to put that in perspective, yeah. and it wasn't good. I mean, Ayuk is at almost five. That's pretty insane in yeah. itself. Um, Nico Collins at three point three seven. Anything over three is in like 
prime Julio Jones territory. So for Nico Collins to be up there, 19.5 yards per catch, 3.4 yards per right run. These are nuts numbers. Yeah, so like impressive things about the Texans. Unlocking a, a Nico Collins, right? Having Stroud as a rookie playing as efficiently as he is and dealing with that offensive line, right? Like a lot of times it's, it's easy narrative, right? Like the, the Giants just got sacked 11 times the other night, 10 by Daniel Jones. Ah, they got all backups. Of course, you got backup offensive line. And the Jets, the offensive line, it's not, eh, this offensive line's not great. The Texans, we could easily be making those same excuses. There are guys moving around. They lost three of their starters just before the season. They've had a different combination, I think, every single game. They're playing great offensively. So kudos to Bobby and the rest of the offense there in Houston. Now you have to throw the same caveat that you did for Brock Purdy, which is, what did you? What was the term you used? Like a staggering interception luck because he's had four turnover-worthy plays and has zero interceptions so far. You're, you are, you're like the guy on Twitter, like, oh, what about this? Th- you didn't mention this thing. I would like you to remain consistent. Incredible in your, inter- in your interception luck by now, There you go. Incredible. Incredible. Uh-huh. Yeah. Incredible. He's due. <laughs> he is due. He's due for one of those turnover-worthy plays, of which there's not many. Yeah, four. To become a, uh, an interception. Um, the other matchup to watch here, Texans have the lowest run defense grade in the NFL for a team. Pretty wide margin. So Atlanta, Bijan. They still have a better run-blocking offensive line. I see the people complaining about Atlanta's offensive line in Atlanta. And, um, look, they haven't been great, but 21st in pass-blocking grade, but that's Desmond Ritter, man. Could be a three-sack game for, for Will Anderson here. Could be a three-sack game for Will Anderson. It could be. Because of Desmond Ritter. All right, uh, where are you going with this one? What do we got? Atlanta. Uh, I'm buying into this Houston Atlanta thing. favored by two. Yeah, I'm buying into the Houston thing for the moment. Um, Atlanta might have some success, and we might actually get an exciting shootout type of game. But, man, that Bobby Slowick, C.J. Stroud thing, I don't think it's going away, even if Stroud gets punished for a turnover-worthy play in this game. Um, I still think they win. I'll also take Houston. Two-point underdogs here. Vegas still thinks the Falcons. They, they got the teams, both teams, pretty even here. But um, why is uh, why is Walt in the chat talking about discount meat? I don't know. Apparently, he just scored a great deal on lean pork chops. I'm interested. <laughs> Tyler says that's his thing. Five nineteen down to two eighty nine. Huh. Got it. So he talks about what he's going to cook. Okay. Interesting. All I'm right. looking for are ribs on sale at Kroger, by the way? When ribs, you see ribs, ribs on sale at Kroger. Sale. What? Ribs are always on sale. Yeah. yeah. I'm ready to fire some more up on the Traeger. Mm-hmm. I, eat, I just make them for myself. No one, no one else in the family <laughs> eats them. I throw two racks on there, spend all day <laughs> slow cooking them for me. It's awesome. I love it. Yeah, let me know how the mac and cheese is. I'm good here. Yeah. These two racks of ribs. Baltimore Ravens at the Pittsburgh Steelers. The uh, Ravens are favored by three and a half at Pittsburgh. Ravens three and one. Steelers two and two. Always some great games here between the Ravens and the Steelers. Kenny Pickett had the knee injury at the end of the week, at uh, the end of the game. Supposed to be a bone bruise. Mm. Mike T- Tomlin's always got very pointed remarks. I only saw the quote once. I, don't, I did not hear the tone whatsoever, but it was kind of like, we'll see how well he manages it, manages it. It felt like a test. From Tomlin. Yeah. Like, how tough are you, Kenny? Are you going to be our quarterback? Let's go. I could be wrong. But, um, no, it was a very, this one? he has a, a, a slightly strange, um, mode of speech in these things. Like, he, it's almost like he deliberately, uh, it's a riddle speaker. 
speaks in riddles, but not but even to, riddles necessarily. Team. Just like the words are are sort of deliberately, um, <coughs> like there, there's more architecture in the sentence than needs to exist, right? It's like there's a very simple way of saying what you're saying, and yet instead you're going to go with much more complex modes of speech in order to I don't know deliberately like misdirect what you're saying as opposed to just yeah this is the deal it's very it's very strange but he basically said yeah it's a bone bruise he's out there in practice he understands he needs a live reps and then it's basically going to come down to pain management and whether he's comfortable enough to go or not um that was effectively a paraphrased version of what he's saying i don't know if it becomes a bigger thing because he's couching it in these terms and now like we're now we're sort of pointedly putting the the, uh, the emphasis on this on Kenny Pickett as opposed to just this is how this works to everybody. Um, I I mean, look, Kenny Pickett's been playing bad. The offense stinks. I don't know that you want to throw him back out there this week if he's not 100%, which he won't be. Can you make a note for me? Can I make a note for you? For next preseason. No. Who, where, where did most of the preseason hype come from? Where did we get suckered in the most? Oh, I bought into the Pittsburgh thing. Steelers. Yeah. Giants. Oh, I didn't buy into that one. I bought into Pittsburgh. Okay. Pittsburgh, definitely. Um, Remember, I took all kinds of crap for saying that, hey, yeah, Darren Waller carving up their defense every practice might just say that the defense stinks. It's true. You People were mad. I probably got mad at you for not buying into it. You got to buy it. You <laughs> pull it all in. Pull I, it all no, the, the Pittsburgh one I got suckered into in a huge way. That's, that's my, my bad one. Some Kenny Pickett numbers. Uh, 53.8 PFF grade ranks 32 out of 36 qualifiers, he's averaged 6.3. Here's a stat for you. 6.3 yards per attempt for Kenny Pickett mm -hmm. in four games. And he has two touchdowns of 70-plus yards. So I know, like, Joe Burrow's averaging 4.8 or whatever yards per attempt. Take out two big plays and Pickett's in that territory. He's got, you know, 140 of his 800 yards showed up on two passes. It and just one shows, of those was a proper like run after the catch deal. Where yeah, it's not it's not a picket one. Like I'm the other saying, one, like least, the raw stats yeah. are poor for Pickett, and they include a couple seventy yarders in there. He's got one big time throw, which was one of those seventy yarders. Five turnover worthy plays. It's not good. No, across the board here for Pittsburgh. It's all offensive bad. line not blocking well. Broderick Jones is going to be in at left tackle for Dan Moore. He had a bit of a struggle in his first extended time on Sunday, and the Baltimore Ravens defense is playing really well. So to me. It's uncomfortable if you're Pittsburgh. It's like, I need my awesome playmakers to just make plays. And I don't know if they're capable of it. Even George Pickens. Yeah. They're not making a spectacular catches this year. They, I think, are in bigger danger of having that losing season this year than they were last year when it looked like the inevitability that they would finally have that Tomlin losing season. And ultimately, he managed to get away with it and scrape, scrape a winning record. They're, they're looking like they're in danger of becoming that team that we talk about every year, where in a very tough division, one team is probably going to end up being cast astray because the other ones are great. Cleveland looks like, you know, that defense is phenomenal. If the offense can just hold up its end of the bargain, you know, i.e. with Deshaun Watson rather than DTR, Baltimore looks good. Cincinnati's not doing well, and they, their thing might cause some problems because Burrow's injury isn't necessarily going away. But I think Pittsburgh could easily be cast adrift in this division, given how badly they've looked. I, I still want to take the other side of that and say, I don't think we were completely wrong to think that the Steelers' roster is the best that they've had in recent years. Like, both sides of the ball. It should be much better. And I don't want to be the – I don't want to just keep picking on Matt Canada or anything here. But 
It's real. I mean, there. But there's just no evidence that he's doing anything to elevate the offense schematically. And there's plenty of evidence he's actually ha- hindering it, hampering it. I mean, this is what Mike Tomlin is dealing with now. Now they're out there like prisoners of their own um, creation because as an organization, they don't make knee-jerk reactions and fire people when things are going bad. They, like, find a way of working through it, right? But if this was any other organization, I think they'd have already made a change. Like somebody else would be calling plays by now, and that's not happening in Pittsburgh because that's not the way they do things. And generally, it's very hard to argue that that's like the wrong approach, right? That's been a very successful organization over any period of time, but like things need to change now. They're in danger of the same offseason conversation we had about Mac Jones in New England, where there was promise for the rookie quarterback, Mac Jones, Kenny Pickett. Year two felt like a throwaway, and for different reasons. The Patriots hired a defensive coordinator to call plays. Pittsburgh kept the same play caller, Matt Canada, without a track record of NFL success. And it's going to feel like, well, we don't know what Kenny Pickett is yet. Got to give him year three. And then, you know, maybe Pittsburgh makes this big split, bringing like Cliff Kingsbury or something. Oh, this is a guy that'll get him going next year. And um, we'll, we'll feel like year two's a throwaway. We'll see. I mean, Pittsburgh, it's a long season, the first quarter. I will never write off the Steelers because they were right offable. In, in recent years, right and they bounce back to get to their 500-plus, right? And um, it's the Ravens. They'll be competitive. But I love the way Baltimore's playing defense. Roquan Smith is balling and has been since he became a Baltimore Raven. Uh, Kyle Hamilton, one of the best safeties in the league in year two here. A lot of good playmakers there. And then the offense, again, with Baltimore, I don't think the offense has been great yet. And, I, and that might be encouraging that there's, there's more there once they get a little bit healthier and, and get used to the new system. Um, have you seen that Kenny Pickett, not Kenny Pickett, George Pickens, is uh, is basically over the contested catches this year? Like That's crazy. Who that'll, re- that'll revert back. Sure, but I think it also highlights like the problem of, you know, when your guy is a contested catch guy, that doesn't stay consistent year to yeah. year. You can have literally the best contested catch receiver in the NFL, which I think he probably still is, and you can go on a run where in four weeks he doesn't catch any of them. It's just a hard thing to do consistently. And this is what makes analysis difficult because Pickens looks like a more complete receiver yeah, this year. I think he is. In the preseason, he was you know taking it to the house 50-plus yards a couple times. He looks quicker, faster, and then it's like, okay, now add that to the spectacular catchability. But it's just not there, man. And I mentioned Kenny Pickett, the worst quarterback in the NFL throwing outside the numbers. If we see Mitchell Trubisky, I'll just say this. Trubisky threw the ball fairly well last year. He had some duds in there, too, when he started. But he had they some decent play. They don't get worse if Trubisky's the quarterback. Not the way Pickett's playing right, right. now. So I think, it's, I think it's a good, close, interesting game either way. I mean, Trubisky was the starting quarterback when they beat the Bengals in week one last year. He had a little bit of bad luck on some, some very close passes that probably should have been touchdowns last year. I like Baltimore, though. Even normally in these games, I'm like, it'll be a three-point game. Um, it's in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. I'll take the Ravens, though. The Steelers need, like, a Herculean effort by that defense to have a shot, I think, in this game. Um, the that, right- that is one thing I want to mention. Morgan Moses may be out for the season, right, or out for the season at right tackle. The T.J. Watt matchup versus right tackle, always huge. And, and it, Baltimore's O-line injuries maybe catch up at some point. I mean, Patrick McCarry against Miles Garrett last week was a train wreck. Like, that was terrible. So Baltimore definitely has some problems up front, and the Steelers, the one thing that you know they're bringing to the table is – T.J. Watt in particular, but Alex Highsmith can do some damage. Like, they have players 
that can exploit that. It sounds like Joey Porter Jr. is going to get elevated to being a starter. Probably not before time. Like that, that'll be an interesting thing to watch. Do I go Pittsburgh? I really wanted to take Pittsburgh. That's my standard. It's the, it's this battle between the Ravens and Steelers. If it's more than three and a half, like three points, I'm gonna you know keep it close. Yeah, I just feel like Baltimore is worth it at this point. All right, we're both taking Baltimore here. Giants at the Dolphins. Yikes. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> we don't need this to be a one-off, right? The Giants fans aren't going to click into. Oh, I want to preview this game against the Dolphins. I'll never underestimate the power of hate watching. You know, true. When your I team, think we have a lot of hate watchers. When your team, well, not just us, but when your team stinks, you want to you want to read all the analysis of how much they stink. <laughs> you know, you want to you want to listen to it. You want to bathe in the misery. Everybody, if you're a hate watcher, just hit that thumbs up right now so I can see the tally. <laughs> if you're hate watching us right now, uh, it's an 11 point spread here. Dolphins at home. It's not Miami in September, but it's Miami in early October. What's the weather like in early October in Miami? Still probably pretty hot. Still hot? Yeah. yeah. Pretty, probably hot, hotter than East Rutherford. Yes. 11-point spread here for the Dolphins. Will they bounce back against the Giants here? You would think so. I mean, I don't, there's no evidence that the Giants' defense is going to slow down this Miami offense. Uh, so that part should cook. And then it's like, can, can anything go right for the Giants' offense? Because it's been miserable. On one hand, I think it's, it's safe to say that the Giants – like, was it the – I think somebody emailed this question, and it would be a good GM question, but the Giants making the playoffs and winning a playoff game last year, was that the worst thing to happen for their future? It was – like, it really was year one of the rebuild. Yeah. And we were sitting here – like, part of the reason why I missed all my picks last year <laughs> is because things didn't make sense, right? The Giants kept winning. The Vikings kept winning. And it's finally reverting back now, right? Because the Giants roster, it's like, okay, they won all these games last year. And they're making some moves in the offseason. I want to say nice things about the Giants. Maybe Brian Dable's a genius coach. Mm. How did they do it? You know, wink. They imp- improved, uh, increased variability. And they hit the right side of it last year. And maybe they could do that again. And, and so even if you expected regression, it's like, well, they can't do that again. And the reality is they're in year two of a rebuild. They're in year two of a rebuild, the Giants. Year one happened to look great from wins and losses standpoint. And they also ran into the other team with crazy luck, and they beat them in the playoffs. Yeah. But they're in year two of the rebuild, so maybe we shouldn't be surprised. I didn't think it would be this bad, right? You didn't, like Nobody expected it to be this bad, though, for the Giants. O-line injuries, they can't block. Daniel Jones looks spooked. The defense can't cover. It's just – I mean, the defense was actually pretty good against the Seahawks the other night, but um, it's just all bad right now in New York. Yeah, I mean, I think the problem is it, it changes expectations. Like, that's – the, the danger of what happened a year ago is you go from it changes your timeline it changes the expectations going into next year everybody expects you to be ahead of where you actually are now the real problem is not that they're failing to meet the expectations that have been raised from a year ago it's that they're failing to even like stay where they should be and are just catching the bat and you know they're, they're not even like treading water they're going backwards hard and the expectations have been moved ahead of where they should be so now like it looks doubly bad Um, but it is worth pointing out like that offensive line has been a mess. I mean, Ben Stockwell, our behind the scenes data guy who sometimes fact checker on the podcast, like he was like, if you looked at the five that were starting in that game, any of the five outside of Evan Neal, if you were like that guy's playing in the second half of a preseason game, you'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. And honestly, even if you said Evan Neal 
like he's been left out there with the starters to play all through the game, it would still make sense. So effectively, they're running with a second half of a preseason offensive line. Of course, nothing is functioning. Like that can't work in the NFL. That those offensive lines are awful. That's what the Giants are playing with at the moment. So Jalen Hyatt's out there running 33 routes or whatever and barely seeing the football because they can't get it to him. They don't have the time to make that happen. He's basically a waste of time at this point being on the field because you can't put the ball in his general direction. Uh, everything about this offense, nothing works because that offensive line is non-viable. Uh, I, we said before, Daniel Jones is right up there with Sam Howell in terms of number of sacks taken. I think he's the most pressured quarterback in the NFL through the four, first few weeks, and he's contributing to that himself. And even independent of the pressure that he invites on himself, when pressure arrives, he's still one of the worst quarterbacks at the NFL at like fumbling it away and taking the sack. It's bad. Yeah, I think you summed it up. Dolphins will look. The Dolphins are the first half of the game. They were pretty close with Buffalo. You know, sometimes uh, it was a blowout. Buffalo just dominated from start to finish. Miami was there. There was a fumble late in the first half, and then Buffalo pulled away. But Miami's still a really good team. Um, every single week, I talk about the Giants blitz package. So now you're going up against. You're gonna you're gonna bring the house. Not that it's it's not the same blitz every time, but you're gonna bring the house against a guy like Tua. That, only, that has quick receivers, quick receivers who get open quickly, and he's a quick decision maker. It's high, it's high variance in that this could be, you know, Dolphins drop 50 or the Giants, you know, sneak a few turnovers in there against the Dolphins. But I think, I think Miami's going to have success again offensively and um, another week where maybe Miami's pass rush is going to look great going up against the Giants, right? Yeah. That, that was the point I was trying to make earlier. Like Seattle does not have a good pass rush. No. They have, but back-to-back weeks, they got to play Carolina's offensive line, the Giants' offensive line, and Daniel Jones, and now people are going to think Seattle has a great pass rush. Maybe they're better than we thought, but I think the bigger factor was who they went up against. Miami, you're going to come out of this week and be like, wow, Miami. Look at, they got that front four. Well, they also showed last, so, you know, yes, Seattle's pass rush is going to look good going up against this second-team preseason Giants' offensive line. But they, they weren't taking chances either. They, like, dialed up the blitz. <laughs> They're like, not only we're, we're, we can probably beat you with four, but just to be sure, we're actually going to start sending people as well. And Devin Witherspoon is going to come off the slot multiple times. And linebackers are going to come on the blitz as well. And that's working as well. So not only did they show that you can probably kick this offensive line's ass with four guys, but they also showed that it's very vulnerable to the blitz. It's not at all capable of identifying where it's coming from or how to patch it up and how to pick it up. So... You know, Miami's defense, I think you could say, has been re- a little bit disappointing given the hype and given Vic Fangio and all that kind of stuff. But I feel like that's more than enough tape to give to Vic Fangio for a week and say, can you create a game plan that will destroy this offense? I, I suspect the answer to that is yes. Just want to point out on the positive note for the Giants, Dexter Lawrence is still awesome at nose tackle. I mm-hmm. love him. Love watching him. He's still really good and still a dominant player. Uh, 11 points. Yeah, that's a lot. I'll still take Miami right now. <sighs> yeah, I'm going Miami as well. It's it's football. We know it's not as simple as we just saw the Giants get smoked at home. Therefore, they're going to be bad forever. Like I, I think Brian Dable will get them playing better at some point. I'm not sure when, but at some point the Giants will look better sure. than they have. Three out of four games have been a disaster. The, do you, how much... How much room for this to continue the way it is do you think they have before like 
the Dayball Daniel Jones thing becomes like an actual issue. <laughs> he looked pissed yeah, he's in that firing game. tablets at him and everything. <laughs> yeah. Like, you I know, know the, man. this is the the flip side of the quarterback gets all the credit stuff, you know, and when everything's going well, the quarterback's the only guy anybody's talking about. Well, when things are going badly, even if you have a second team offensive line protecting you, when you heave the ball, you know, for a pick six to a corner who's just standing there waiting for it in the red zone, you're going to take the crap. Yeah. Like the O-line wasn't great last year, but they had a good run game. They had a good design run game. Their receivers were underrated and getting open. And Daniel Jones runs an offense pretty well. But you could tell things are not working for him right now, right? There were some sacks that were completely on him. If you see an unblocked corner, slot corner, sacking you, it's probably on the QB. Play Pre-snap recognition, not throwing hot behind him other passes where he's leaving a clean pocket and then there's other passes where he's got no chance the screenshot i put up there he gets to the top of his drop and the dude's on his back so it's this combination of all this stuff that's ruining daniel jones not that he was great before but we've seen him be serviceable and run an offense he can't even do that right now so it is a challenge and um yeah it's a challenge for the giants who invested all that money in him thinking they could build this ecosystem around him and they have not right now mm-hmm. at some point they'll play better but not in the next two weeks against the Dolphins and the Bills. No. So I'll take the Dolphins to cover the 11. Yeah, I think I will as well. Carolina Panthers at the Detroit Lions. Lions favored by nine and a half now. The Lions. It's like all sorts of milestones. Favorites, baby. For the Lions. Not only are they favorites, but they're in like take care of business mode right now. The Lions. They're in, hey, don't slip up. They're, uh, they're going to play the Bucks next week. And they've moved that to a four o'clock Slate. They heard They heard us complaining, Sam. There was only three games in the 4 o'clock slate in week six. Now we have a first-place matchup between the Lions and Bucks in week six in the 4 o'clock window. That's where the Lions are right now. They're in take care of it. Don't look ahead to the next team. That's where the Lions are right now, favored by 9.5 against the Panthers. Yeah, I mean, there's no reason to think that's not legit, right? Carolina have looked pretty terrible. Um, their offense doesn't really function. They may have different reasons for it but their offensive line is bad their receivers i don't think are particularly good and bryce young is not yet able to elevate the play of everybody around him like he's if anything making things worse with the occasional bad play fumble interception whatever it is in in any given week so their offense doesn't work right now um meanwhile in detroit Everything's kind of singing. Everything's going the way it's supposed to. That offense's still cooking. The defense looks really good. They found more of a pass rush last week against Green Bay, which was a like a wild dynamic. You know, a team that had only been Aiden Hutchinson suddenly found a bunch of other people and one of the best offensive lines in the league, albeit down to backups in certain spots, gave up more pressure in that game than they give up given up in like the three previous games combined. So the Lions look really good right now. I I feel like I'm I was I was really disappointed in the Lions just from a analysis standpoint when they lost to the uh, Seahawks in week two. That, but that looks like the anomaly in, in their season so far. They played, uh, the Lions played great against the Chiefs in week one, against the Falcons in week three, win 20 to six, and then really dominated the Packers on Thursday Night Football last week. The one anomaly in there was the Lions kind of reverting back to a defense that was giving it up pretty easily against. Seattle in week two in the dome. Um, so three out of, just like the Giants have been bad for three out of four games, you've got the Lions really outstanding three out of four games here. And if that's you know if they bring that level of consistency, you know they're 
they're an 11 or 12 win team. You know, they're a legit team. And um, that's why they're favored by nine and a half here against the Panthers trying to figure it out. Um, Jared Goff, highest passing grade, PFF passing grade since week 14 of last year, for whatever it's worth. Hmm. He's playing pretty well. Yeah. Um, you see Jamison Williams been reinstated. Yes. So they had some revision of the gambling policy that seemed to Good. have resulted in like an amnesty for players. Not all of them, several players that had been banned. So Jamison Williams returns, Nicholas Petit Frere returns. Um, Dan Campbell has been fairly tamping down any kind of expectation for Jameis or Jamison Williams. Is this, is he in the doghouse or is he simply like things are cooking right now? Why would we rock the ship with bringing him back and, you know, getting him a ton of. They, they tried to give him a bunch of preseason reps. And last year he wasn't, I mean, he was never going to be a polished receiver. But you, you, I think you expected for maybe two years, it's like, hey, take the top off the defense, run the Khalif Raymond route tree. Now they have both. So that's where I think the expectations are, right? We're going to take a few shot plays to Jamison Williams. We're going to take our shot plays to Khalif, to Khalif Raymond. We're going to have eight to ten plays a game where maybe both guys are on the field, and you're going to be like, shoot, how do I cover that? i gotta, I got to play cover two or so. i got to do something to make sure that these guys don't create a 50-yard play. To me, that's my expectation for Jamison Williams. You don't. It's kind of like what I say about um, what I said about Gibbs. If they sat there and said we got to give Jameer Gibbs 25 carries or 25 touches just to justify the pick, then you're going to lose out on Amonra St. Brown and what Josh Reynolds is doing and what Sam Laporte is doing and Jared Goff just running the offense really effectively. So just take your shot plays, and, it, and when he gets better as a receiver, you give him more. I think that's just where he is right now in his development cycle. Yeah. Shot I, plays. I mean, Shots. But I think the problem they have, though, is that they already have guys doing that. I, I don't know how much he's even going to play. Like, and I also don't know if he is in the doghouse in sort of off-field terms. Like, the suspension, Maybe. Yeah. The suspension obviously, is a pretty stupid thing to get done for. Um, I don't know. I, don't, I wonder if they're sort of souring on what he will be long-term. But I certainly wouldn't expect much of an impact right away. All right. Um nine and a half yeah it's a lot I think they're probably good for it though Carolina's not good they're feisty on defense Carolina I'm going Detroit to cover nine and a half I'll take Carolina to keep it close Bryce Young made some strides last week baby steps still had some blitz recognition issues at the end is that a pun oh, no it wasn't but it'd be a good one if it was <laughs> he was taking baby steps uh huh yeah New England Patriots favored by one and a half at home against the New Orleans Saints. Both teams coming off some really disappointing losses. Saints lose the division matchup to the Tampa Bay Bucks at home, a rarity in that rivalry. And the Patriots coming off the 38-3 drubbing at the hands of the Cowboys. How does Bill Belichick bounce back from the largest defeat of his career? What was the last time that happened? <laughs> they bounced back the following week. They bounced back perfectly fine. They won the next 20 games, I think. Yeah. Um, to me, the Patriots' analysis has landed uh, pretty straightforward. The post-Tom Brady era for the Patriots is they win the games they're supposed to and they lose the games they're supposed to. That's it. Hmm. Not so much are they favored, but they've beaten one team, one 10-win team since 2020. Um, and it's really two 10-win teams, right? It's the, 
They beat the Titans in 2021, the number one seed Titans. And they beat the Bills. People forget they beat the Bills when there was 65-mile-an-hour wins or whatever it was on Monday Night Football, and Mac Jones threw the ball three times. Pretty much every other time the Patriots have played a good team, they've lost. But then other times they play poor teams, and they, they beat up on them. And it's like, oh, maybe, maybe it's old New England. You know, They beat up on bad Jets teams or Zach Wilson or whoever it is, Sam Ellinger. So that's where New England is. My question is, is this a game they're supposed to win? Because it's a pretty evenly matched up mat- matchup of teams that are a little disappointing right now. I continue to think the Saints should be much better. I could also be very wrong. Derek Carr is playing the worst ball of his career, plus he's been hurt. And maybe the Saints don't have more. But again, any given week, that defense can play legit. They're tough playing man coverage. New England can't complete passes against man coverage. It's actually a pretty evenly ma- uh, matched game for two teams that really need to win. Yeah. Um, New England's New England's defense is supposed to be their strength, but now they're losing a lot of players. They're, they're pretty banged up and key players. I mean, you've lost arguably your best pass rusher, arguably, you, arguably your best cornerback, albeit a rookie. I mean, those are two pretty big blows to deal to any defense in the space of a single week. Um, conversely, the New, England, the New Orleans defense has been playing pretty well. Their corners have been super aggressive, making a ton of plays on the ball. Like, I like their side of the ball, um, their side of the ball on defense more than I like New England's, even if I think the Patriots will be better coached in the long run. I just They're just banged up. This one could be a, a low-scoring game. I think, yeah, the Saints are they're tough to move the ball against overall. Um, they weren't great last week against the Bucs, but they're tough to move the ball against. And how does Mac Jones bounce back? Like, that wasn't that was an extreme game of bad. That was the worst game of Mac Jones' career by far. Awful game. Yes. And now the stretch of play this season has been, hasn't been great for Mac Jones, but certainly not at that level against Dallas last week. <laughs> yeah. How does he bounce back here? He had a turnover-worthy play rate of 21% in that game. Yeah. That's silly. Like a bad turnover-worthy play rate is like 5%. Yeah. Every five passes, he was throwing the ball to the defense or handing it to the defense. <laughs> yeah. That's correct. That that's, was his game last week. That's not good. Against Dallas. So you're not expecting that to happen, but he's gotten worse. Like he was actually pretty good against the Eagles week one, and he's gotten progressively worse throughout the season. That was not what was supposed to happen with Bill O'Brien coming in. So um, I don't know what they're going to do to simply – they said they're working on those bad decisions. I don't know how you work on them other than throwing 9 million screens again. You get the, the cowboy clicker thing out, right, and you freeze it right when he's looking left at Deron Bland and yeah. like – no, uh-uh, like circle on a line through. You are standing next to the right sideline. Throwing yeah. a ball to the left sideline, bad. No, okay, don't Mac, do that. Tell me what you did wrong on this play. You were outside the pocket against a very fast defense. Chances are somebody might be bearing down on you. Mm. Don't fumble it. Um, see, I'm expecting a low-scoring game. I'm assuming Carr is back out there again. He threw 13 passes to Alvin Kamara last week for 30 yards. Like the... I keep expecting the Saints to break out because I love their pass catchers, and someday it'll happen. Yeah, I mean, like last week, because of the shoulder injury to Derek Carr, it, it was an easy thing to say, well, you should have just started Jameis. Now, okay, <laughs> Jameis goes out there for one throw, just like blindly throws the ball to the defense, so that doesn't help your case. But it feels like overall the, the right decision would have been to start Jameis going into that game. But given they didn't, I mean, they're not going to start him this week even if Derek Carr is still dealing with some kind of shoulder, because it's going to be better than it was a week ago. Like, he's presumably closer to 100% going into this week than he was last week. 
So he's probably still going to be the guy. And if he is, I mean, they need Derek Carr playing better. Like, Derek, the, the logic of bringing in Derek Carr was you have this reasonable guarantee of a pretty high floor of play. And even if he can't get you to special, he's going to get you to pretty good. But right now, this is his worst PFF grade since his rookie year. And last year was his worst PFF grade since his rookie year. And we were trying to figure right. out why, why is that. So the last two years have been not so good for Derek Carr. New systems, new situations, what have you, but not trending in the right direction for $37.5 million. No. Patriots by one and a half. Where are you going in this one? I mean, I think the Patriots will bounce back, but even a bounce back might not get you to winning the game. I think, um, I think New England should – they're usually a different team at home. The other issue with that is what I mentioned way back earlier on the show. Christian Gonzalez now out. Matthew Judon's out. J.C. Jackson comes in. He's still kind of banged up. New England has been dealing with a lot of injuries in their secondary. If there's a game for New Orleans to maybe find their passing attack, not saying it's easy against New England, but it's against, you know, an injured secondary. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Saints. Um, I do think New England will play. I think it's a game that they should win. They're favored. And that's the trend, I think, for the Patriots. They don't have too many. They're just a mediocre team that plays, they're, that takes care of business when they're supposed to and loses when they're, you know, underdogs. I mean, they're only just favored at home, which means true. a neutral field. They're the worst team. That's true. So, therefore, they shouldn't win. Maybe I should go to New Orleans. I'll take New England, though. Just to, You and I are going to have very different records this week, it seems. Great. That's been working out well for me so far. Ha. It's making fun of me all last year. Philadelphia Eagles at the Los Angeles Rams. We're into the 4 o'clock slate. Four more games. So soon. Eagles at Rams. Eagles favored by four and a half in L.A. What do you look at? I for? mean, this is can kind of – Can you hear how squeaky this thing is? This is bad. I mean, I can. I don't know if it gets picked up on the mic. Does that, get, does that come through? I hate moving. How uh, – I mean, how impressive is this for the Rams that this is actually a reasonably close game by the spread? Coming into the season, this would have seemed like an absolute beatdown on paper, even on the road – like Philadelphia would just come in and roll and take care of business. But the Rams team, outside of one performance, really, where the offensive line didn't function, and that's a risk this game because the Eagles have a good defensive line. Um, but outside of that, it's been fine. Stafford is dealing. Puka Nakua looks legit. The offensive receiver has given him just enough to work with. The offensive line has given him just enough to, enough to work with. Kyron Williams is crushing it. And Aaron Donald is back to being Aaron Donald. And that alone is enough for the defense to function. Um, so the Rams are actually not a terrible side. Yeah, I, I'm impressed by the Rams, man. I was not expecting that. They've, been, they've become one of the most fun teams in the NFL. Um, and, and, you know, we used to say it was stars and scrubs with the Rams. Well, Stafford's playing, you know, one of the highest levels of his career overall. Aaron Donald, as you mentioned, is back. And the new star is Puka Nakua. Setting all sorts of – he could sit out this week and he still has the most yards through five games, you know, of, of any receiver in, in NFL history. He already has 50-something targets. <laughs> that's insane. Like, that's a, that's a sort of, oh, a guy missed a couple of games in a season type of number for some people. Let me see the text. I took a screenshot of the text that I sent. The one, I don't think Zach will care. Yeah. Zach just said, the Puka guy you mentioned from BYU is interesting, though. Way back when I mentioned him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, I mean, the one concern for the Rams is, you know, they've, they've, they're, they're only two and two. And in two of those games, the two losses, their pass blocking grade has been 23.7 and 26.7. That's now the thing I can't, the Eagles. that's the thing I can't figure out. The, the part I can't figure out is when 
does that show up? It's kind of like Titans home and away. I mean, is it every other week? It showed up against San Francisco, elite pass rush. It showed up against Cincinnati, not an elite pass rush, but Trey Hendrickson, DJ Reader, like they've got some players, right? It didn't show up against Seattle, who don't have any pass rush. And it didn't show up, curiously, against the Colts, who should have been able to exploit that. Yeah, and but, the Colts had been playing pretty well up front. They're not great right. in Indianapolis, but they were, they were on a good little stretch. But if we're trying to discern meaning from that, it feels like the Eagles are on the 49ers-Bengals side of that spectrum more than they are the other two. I, I would expect a higher-pressure game here. But all that said, the Eagles barely won up front last week against Washington. And that's annoying, too. From just an analysis standpoint. Not that I'm rooting for it, just from an analysis standpoint. We see Jalen Carter there, though, 92.2 overall. Is it Jalen Carter going up against – is it the next Aaron Donald going up against Aaron Donald? Or is Jalen Carter just the next Chris Jones? I mean, whatever he is, I don't think Joe Joe Noteboom can block Jalen Carter. That would be my overall point. Um, And if he can, I don't know that Steve Avila can block Jalen Carter. Did they play? I was, I was literally going to ask you that. Yeah. Did they meet in the national title game. Um, but, you know, Jalen Carter looks like one of the best defensive interior guys in the NFL. The Rams' interior might be their weakest spot. And, you know, the Eagles have got more than that as well. So I'm actually struggling to see. This feels like the kind of game where that mismatch is big enough that the Rams' offensive line doesn't function, the Rams' offense doesn't function, and we get the bad version of this offense. Yeah, I mean, I think – Then I think on the other side, the Eagles – yeah, so I think the Eagles pass rush, they have one of those games that makes it really difficult for the Rams to run their offense. On the other side, again, repeating it for the 900th time over the last two years, the Eagles have multiple ways to win. I think they'll be able to run the ball effectively against this Rams front. If you can neutralize Donald in the run game and just know where he is, you could kind of scheme around his disruption – I think the Eagles will be able to run, and as they showed last week, if they get into a shootout and Hurts has to make a comeback or he's got to throw the ball down the field, they're capable of doing that as well. So I like the matchup for Philly, and I'm also, with you, impressed that it's only four and a half for the Rams. If you told this to me back in week one, I would say it's double digits. Even with Stafford, even with Donald, it looked like a double-digit type of difference, but the Rams are playing really well, and they're fun, man. But The, um, the, the Eagles, Eagles defense against Washington had 32 defensive stops. So that's a tackle that constitutes an offensive failure, right? Which is, could be one yard if it's fourth, third and fourth and short, or it can be, you know, six or seven yards uh, if it's first and 15 or whatever. Um, either way, the offense didn't gain enough for it to be a successful play. So 32 defensive stops, 18 of which were combi- combined, compiled by the combination of Nicholas Moreau and Zach Cunningham. So two linebackers, accounted for 18 of 32 defensive stops that the Eagles had in that game. That's crazy. That's in the, not what they're supposed to be. That's not their strength. It's not supposed to be their strength. I mean, Cunningham would be. Yeah, but it's just that's – from a team-building standpoint, it's like we're oh, the Eagles. trenches. Yeah. yeah from the, from I mean, the, neither of those guys are supposed to be starting for them yeah. this year, right? No, I know. It's, look, the Eagles, their depth shows up weekly in their different ways of winning i think they'll cover the four and a half here yeah i've talked myself into struggling to see how the rams can function against philadelphia's defensive line so same all right kansas city chiefs at the minnesota vikings chiefs favored by five in minnesota Mm. we've been talking about this game for a few weeks now because minnesota's blitzing like crazy mahomes sees the fewest blitzes in the nfl by far for good reason and for good reason right they always uh blitz 
handling the blitz is multifaceted. It's recognition, it's scheme, making sure that you have answers. And other times it's just, oh, by the way, I'm going to out-athlete you. You know, if you, yeah. if you leave more holes in your coverage, I'm either, you know, I can either get outside the pocket and find someone or I'll just, you know, exploit it. Mahomes exploits that as well as any quarterback in recent memory. And now Minnesota, they also have, you know, Brian Flores calling the shots. He's been on, I think he was on those Patriots staffs, at least in 18, where they had some success against the Chiefs, and they weren't blitzing like crazy. So it'll just be interesting to see how Minnesota handles this. And the Chiefs, I mean, the Vikings also have the second worst pass rush grade in the NFL. So they're blitzing heavy. They're not winning one-on-ones. That's the last time in the Chiefs played the Bears a couple weeks ago. They have the worst pass rush grade. That's when Mahomes had his one great game this week, this year, carving the Bills up. Yeah, the so the Vikings, I think, have been just dealing with this problem on defense, this Sophie's choice of they don't have enough talent, and the only way of trying to offset that is by ramping up the aggression and just hoping you get the good plays at the back end of that. But the downside of that is you expose yourself to more big plays as well. Um, and the, the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes feels like the sort of perfect storm nightmare scenario of that dynamic of – we can't stop this guy with the talent we have. The only way of dealing with that is to get more aggressive, and all that does is like expose us to the kind of plays that he makes regularly anyway. So it's always felt like a really difficult schematic problem to solve for Brian Flores and the Vikings. Remember, Chris was talking a bit during the broadcast um, in the Jets game of how the Jets – so they obviously kind of shit the bed on a couple of plays where Mahomes makes a – big scramble, et cetera. But generally, they were taking this uh, approach of we're going to stay reasonably disciplined with our pass rush lanes, and there's going to be somebody hanging back ready for, like, as soon as he breaks the pocket, that's when we can close on him, you know? And if you listen to that, it's sort of slightly different. But remember when the Raiders randomly caused Patrick Mahomes all kinds of problems with that specific game plan? is like we're not going to attack him like crazy in the pocket. We're going to almost invite him to bounce out of the pocket and then converge on him quickly. And that caused him all kinds of issues for a while. I think Mahomes is generally in this area where I, I don't know what the game plan is supposed to be. You can't sit back. He'll carve you up. You can't go aggressive at him. He'll carve you up. He's unstoppable in those terms. But the one thing that keeps coming back around as a potential way to at least slow him down is that idea of, you know, we'll – not go crazy. We'll like invite him out of the pocket and then attack, like yeah. then pounce. But that also, but this is, you're right. Like there's not a game plan for Mahomes. There are things you can do. Um, there's like pick your poisons, yeah. right? But I believe that's all the greats. I don't think there was a game plan to beat Peyton sure. or Brady. That was not a pipe dream, right. right? It was like just, you know, get pressure with four. But one thing, so the Vikings are, are not set up, but they have a personnel group and a personnel sort of deployment by the way they're doing things in the moment that kind of plays into that. You know, they play with these three safeties all the time. They've got a guy in Ivan Pace Jr. who's got that downhill athleticism. Like, they could maybe lean into that as a concept of, you know, let's almost like a sort of supercharged spy, you know, quarterback spy deal of let's wait right up until he moments and then, then try and crunch down on him and hope to stop things that way. Ultimately... I don't really see a way it works. I, I think even with this Kansas City offense not firing on all cylinders this season outside of that one game, 
it just feels like the Vikings defense is such a problem that it's this is the get right game for them yeah th- that's where the whole um increased variance goes right because if you are going to basically have an extra spy or you're going to send an extra rusher against Mahomes that's one less person that you can put on Travis Kelsey right that's one less thing that you can do on the back end to bracket someone or take away a first read but that's the issue with the whole thing is the cat and mouse game and then as we saw against the Jets if you play man and we've seen this in multiple games it happened in Tennessee in overtime last year like Mahomes will pick up 21 when he needs 20 he'll pick up 17 when he needs 16 on the ground he is incredible as a scrambler and so you could do a lot of things right and still lose so yeah it is a a big matter of if you're going to be aggressive you have to hope that he doesn't hit his first read and then it's like all right now as he extends the play we have a strategy for that so we'll see what minnesota looks at there Juwan taylor does have a 40 grade so far this year at right tackle due to all the penalties and just generally not playing nearly as well as he did last year um, we'll see if Mahomes can also get a little more chemistry with his receivers you know those guys all being on the same page and it's just been a disjointed offense outside of that Bears game for Kansas City defensively one of the better Chiefs defenses we've seen in recent years it's actually a pretty good matchup here um, they'll play some press against the Vikings and Justin Jefferson and all those receivers it's got to be a huge Kirk Cousins game through the air I think if they're gonna compete here yeah I'm expecting shootout Expecting shootout. Yeah. Mm, yeah. I mean, I think I think Kansas City's offense is definitely going to cook, um, and that's it's a case of whether Kirk Cousins can avoid you know pick six or bad mistakes costing them because it's very difficult to shut down Justin Jefferson. They have alternative options when you do. They've got just enough to be ticking away at a pretty high level, especially when, when they're going to have to chase a lot of games. So I think they'll put up some yards, but I think Kansas City is going to ease away. And cover. Plus, it's in a dome. It's in a dome. So, Chiefs will get right in the dome. That's what happens. All right, two more games here. Jets at the Broncos. We forget that this is the Nathaniel Hackett revenge game here. Do this we? Was, yeah. I mean, well, this sh- is the game circled on the sh- schedule. This was circled. You got Sean Payton, Nathaniel Hackett. You, you know, it was supposed to be Aaron Rodgers sticking up for his coach. We got uh, more breaking news for this game, too. Oh, really? The Denver Broncos will oh, be yes. releasing Randy Gregory. My wow, goodness. was that a bad signing? It feels like. So that the 2022 free agent cycle featured Randy Gregory, five years, $70 million to Denver, featured J.C. Jackson. I mean, those may have been the two biggest signings. I mean, it's at least two of the best top five. Remember, how, remember Denver, like, gazumped Dallas for that deal. Like, Dallas right. thought they had the deal done. And then they jerked him around somehow, like they didn't. Is he just going to go to Dallas now? Right, for like for, for, for a dollar. <laughs> but Denver like basically gave him the same deal that Dallas was offering. And because I forget how they'd screwed him over or annoyed him, but he basically went, all right, I'm going to go take Denver's deal. All right. that's So, yeah, the, the Cowboys should go buy Barstool back for a dollar. Yes. Right. Repackage that joke. Um, I'm, I don't know if I'm unimpressed or that's bad i mean it's bad investment obviously yeah i'm actually kind of impressed that teams are cutting their losses so quickly i mean we're just a few weeks into their second season in their respective places and teams are just like yep we'll we'll eat it it's okay but yeah denver um i mean they've gotten a little better pass rush from guys like nick benito i saw somebody had like added it up that the Chargers had essentially paid J.C. Jackson or will have paid him when they give him the $12 million, like $38.5 million for seven games. <laughs> nice. 
that's not great. Uh, but similarly, I don't know what the cost. I, I don't know what they've what Denver has paid uh, Randy Gregory yet, but he has twenty seven pressures as a Bronco. Who does? Randy Gregory. Twenty seven. Yes, Aiden Hutchinson and whoever else is at the top of the NFL right now have twenty seven pressures in four games. Yeah. It seemed like a fine deal at the time. Well, so it. So Aiden Hutchinson, Micah Parsons, and Max Crosby all have 27 pressures in four games, and that's what he has as a Denver Bronco. It, it felt okay, but there was always this thing of, remember, Randy Gregory's this weird player where he was suspended, he was you know, on two strikes and all this kind of thing, and then he kind of put it together for a couple of years in Dallas. But one of those years was like 270 snaps. The next year was his sort of full-time year, Still under 500 snaps, um, but that was his best season, right? 47 pressures, 84.7 PFF grade, 327 pass rushes. And it was off that year that they were going to pay him the big money in Denver. And you were like, okay, he looks really good. And he's sort of become the player that everyone thought he might be as a second round pick with all this talent. On the other hand, his entire career, which at that point was three, four, five seasons, was 1,500 snaps old. And he's only really been good for like 500 of those 1,500 snaps. We're still dealing with a really small sample size for a guy who has multiple strikes against him and, you know, some other issues. Only in one ecosystem right? where success was, yeah. There was a lot of risk attached to that. So even if you're kind of like, okay, it's probably a risk that I would take, I think you had to acknowledge even at the time there was quite a large percentage chance that that would blow up in your face. Yeah, I think that's all fair. Um, Broncos defense. So Zach Wilson, not only did he turn a corner on Sunday night, seemingly, like the whole the whole thing looked different. I, it went from we have such low expectations when you hit a check down against cover two, like we're high fiving things. Like, yes. I can't believe you hit a check down. That's awesome. But then he started kind of kind of dealing, right? Kind of confidently chucking it around. Can he do that? Can, like, is that the new thing? Can we remember any? There's one other time uh, when Matt Castle took over for Brady that one year in 2008. Mm-hmm. Castle's first seven or eight games, he took so many sacks. He was just very slow recognizing the ball. And I was actually, I think I was at the game, but he had, it looked like he had turned a corner and just started working a little bit quicker. It just, it wasn't, he ne- it never became great. He just looked far more confident in the offense in the second half of the year. I don't even think the stats back that up, but he was. <laughs> More confident, and it just it looked a little crisper. Right, he had literally turned a corner. I haven't seen that too much. That cut and dry. Um, that was like the one other example I could think of. Is that real for Zach Wilson? It's not like he's never other uh, never had other good games. He's had other good games in his career. There's only just three or four of them, but he's had other good games. But it did look different. It's a new offense, more confident, a little crisper. Now you go against Denver, who has not forced an incompletion in the first half in the last two games. Yeah. I mean, that was so... My sister, of all people, is trying to rope me into helping her fantasy team. She was like, you know, did Zach Wilson... Is Zach Wilson turned a corner, right? The travel. Not enough for fantasy. And I was like, no, of course not. But having said that, maybe for one more week, because he's playing Denver this week. Like, absolutely, this is not Zach Wilson figuring it out. The light switch did not go on. But... He's, he's taking that momentum into the worst defense in the NFL this week. So maybe one more week of this, and then he turns back into a pumpkin. What are they mad at me for? Who's mad at you? They said I ruined a clip. Did I cough or something? Stop talking to people when we're doing a show. 
talking to producers. That they're, they're bare people. Don't talk to them. We're doing a show. Okay. Yeah, so you don't think Zach Wilson's turned a corner for fantasy? No, except maybe this week because the Denver defense stinks. We have the line in here is one and a half. It says uh, two Denver favorite in the uh, YouTube chat. I put him in this morning. Maybe Maybe the line has changed. Maybe it's changed. Russ is playing well. I can't believe, like, you know, we've said this the other day, but like Denver's defense has been so bad that we're missing the point. One of the biggest stories of the NFL this year was going to be Russell Wilson and Sean Payton, and it's like buried. Completely buried because Denver's defense is so bad and they're one and three. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Russ is playing well. It's now two. It's now two. Russ is playing well. And win this game against the Jets. Very winnable game. Remember, the Jets are a they're a couple Josh Allen YOLO balls and a walk-off punt return from being 0-4, the Jets. So obviously it's a very winnable game for Denver at home. And you get back to two and three, and maybe we're maybe we're talking here. But the defense has to play better in Denver. They have to do something drastic. The linebackers, safeties, like everybody's out of position. Wide open throws left and right. Pass rush has been decent. Everything on the back end looks bad. They got to try something. Yeah, I don't know what they they. I mean, the defense. They're in the same conversation on defense as Pittsburgh is with Matt Canada on offense. Like this is so catastrophic. Things need to change. I don't. You know, I'm not prescribing what that change needs to be, but. Something significant needs to happen between now and next week because you, you get beat for 70 against the Dolphins. And let's face it, they let you off there. Should have been 73. Um, you get hammered the next game. Signs of life by the worst offense in the NFL. You need to change. Like, this is unbelievably terrible. It, as bad as it is, and it's historically bad, it's not unprecedented for teams to, you know, improve. The 2019 Dolphins that were accused of tanking and looked like they were tanking. Yeah. I mean, they were giving up like 40 points a game the first five or six games, and then they started playing tougher. Um, last year's Lions went from the worst defense in the league by far to very competitive down the stretch. I think Denver at least has the talent to do that. They have talent in the secondary. They have talent. Like, their linebackers are not nearly as bad right. as they're playing right now. They have had also a lot of injuries in addition to not good players. Like last week, they were missing basically the spine of the defense. Frank Clark, uh, Josie Jewell, yeah. um, Jed, uh, Justin Simmons were all out last week. They haven't had a lot of the talent that they do have. But, I mean, this has been a schematic nightmare in addition to bad players or bad play or missing players as well. They, they need to change something fundamental to that defense because it's a, another mess at the moment. Um, but as long as that is the case, I mean, I do generally think we might get a second Zach Wilson half-decent performance. He was pretty good against a good defense right up until he dropped the snap. Uh, right. if, that, if that happens again, I feel like the Jets' defense is going to be enough to slow down whatever rejuvenated version of the Broncos' offense we're getting. I, I'm, buying into, I'm buying into Zach Wilson hype. I think it's going to be a, a more entertaining game than it looks on paper for two one and three teams. Because like Russ against sure. the Jets defense is a good matchup. Can Zach Wilson do it again? I'm going to lean Denver because that offense, man, is is playing much better, and I think their defense can't be as bad as they've been. Did you see this? Suge- I, I'm going to go out on a limb. Bold prediction time. Uh-huh. The Denver Broncos will force a non Hail Mary incompletion in the first half of this game against the Jets. It's bold. It hasn't happened since week two. It's bold. <laughs> it's going to happen in this game, though. Zach Wilson will throw an incompletion in the first half of this game. He will not go 16 for 16 like both Tua and Justin Fields did over the last two weeks against the Broncos. Did you see the suggestion that Zach Wilson uh, decided to turn it on for that game 
because he was acutely aware that there was a massive new influx of Swifties watching his performance. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No. I mean, that's not happening this week. What do you mean? They're not going to. You don't think they're going to carry him into the four o'clock window the next week? I don't think they're watching the Broncos game, the Swifties. They might. Well, who does, uh, who does Russ attract to watch the games? I don't know. Like uh, strength coaches or something? <laughs> Somebody, you remember that clip where he was, you know, he was injured and he was like taking the mental reps, but they were like the mental reps of like everything, not just, <laughs> it was like him running through a whole game by himself. Yeah. I hadn't noticed at the time that in that whole sequence, you know, he was doing like the fake handoffs and all this kind of crap. He, when he ran out onto the field, he was given like pretend fist bumps, you know, like the hand thing where you hit everyone's hand on the way out. And then when he was calling plays, practice how you play. He was like in the huddle on that didn't knee, exist, looking like, up, talking yeah. to nobody. He's on a knee, looking up, calling a play. Right, but not just like reading it out to himself. He was like, you know, yeah. talking to his invisible offensive line. <laughs> uh, how would you do it? Not like that. I don't know how I would do it, but it wouldn't be like that. It wouldn't. I mean, that's right up there with the, like, high-stepping down the plane on the way to London. Like, that's peak absurdity. Let's wrap it up with Monday Night Football. Green Bay Packers at the Las Vegas Raiders. Two and two Packers. One and three Raiders. And Packers are favored by two and a half on the road in Vegas. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Garoppolo has been in concussion protocol. He should be back yeah. for this one, I believe. Get to see a little bit more Jordan Love and the Packers. They're good. Uh, they've been good in pass pro until they ran into the Lions yeah. last Thursday night. Max Crosby up against uh, Zach Tom will be a pretty interesting one. Zach Tom's been a pretty good right tackle and then got wrecked by Aiden Hutchinson um, in addition to everybody else getting wrecked. But Tom had struggles there. Now he's going up against Max Crosby who, you know, Right is right there with the best pass rushes in the NFL. I think there's a little gap between, you know, Micah Parsons, Miles Garrett, TJ Watt, those guys, and Max Crosby, but it's a very small one. He's as good as pretty much anybody, and he leads the league in total pressures along with a couple of those other guys. I, I will say the Raiders' defense has been far more impressive than they looked on paper coming into the year. I mean, if you just looked at PFF grades or just general perception of players, it was like, who do they have with Max Crosby unless they have – Nate Hobbs returned back to form. There was a lot of guys who needed to return back to form. Mm -hmm. Nate Hobbs, uh, Trayvon Merrig, uh, some sort of pass rusher to produce opposite Crosby. We've seen a little bit of uh, life from Malcolm Koontz. But they've played pretty well. I mean, underrated last week. The Chargers, um, they had a 50-yarder at the end to Josh Palmer, but they were not moving the ball through the air with Herbert. A couple big plays were given up against the Steelers, but otherwise... Raiders did a nice job there. They did a nice job against Denver in week one. So a little better offense, uh, defensively. Uh, Josh McDaniels keeps claiming that the team is close. Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, I wasn't trying to be funny, but I am saying I kind of feel like they are. Like I kind of like they have the pieces offensively to play much better. Mm. Garoppolo solid. Devontae Adams went healthy. They'll be all right. You know that They'll reminds right. me of? Eddie Jones is the coach of the Australian rugby team right now who are about to be sent home in ignominious failure from the World Cup, having lost to Tonga for the first time maybe ever, or certainly since like the 1950s. It's been a total train wreck, right? And after the Tonga game, he was like, we dominated them. This should have been a win. 
And then every, like, he, they, they'd been winless since he took over going into the World Cup. And everyone was like, it feels a little worrying. He's like, nah, we're going to win it. Not only are we going to be fine, we're going to win the World Cup. We're, we're right on the edge. We're right there. It's perfect. Building perfectly. This is exactly the way the plan has, has been going. I, I'm getting very much Eddie Jones vibes out of the Josh McDaniels thing, which is like, nah, no matter how many L's you put in the column, this is exactly the way it was supposed to go. We're, we're right on the edge, guys. And in two, three weeks, we're going to have turned that corner, and now you're going to be sorry. You're going to be looking like fools because you wrote us off when we were, when we were right here with one more win in the first 21 games than Tom, Tom Cable had. Well, I'm, I'm buying it. You're buying, <laughs> I'm buying into it. Uh, one thing we know, Chandler Jones has been released. He had, um, there was some sort of, he was tweeting through some stuff, got arrested. So I didn't want to make any accusations the other day, but on the same day that Tupac's alleged killer got arrested yeah. in Vegas, Chandler Jones was also arrested in Vegas. And I was thinking... The NFL scriptwriters did it again. I mean, that would, that that would have been be a hell of a twist. Quite the twist. Yeah. Was Chandler Jones even alive? I doubt it. No, he's probably like five at that point. What was that, 96? Chandler Jones was drafted in 12. So, yeah, he was probably four at the time. He it was six. There you go. So does it, uh, That would be a twist. It would be a twist. That would be a twist. Yeah, I don't, I don't believe he's connected to that, legally speaking. Am I going to get in trouble again? Am I going to get? Am I getting sued again? Probably. Um, anyway, uh, Tyree Wilson, watch. I mentioned he did have his first win as a pass rusher the other day. From a Packers perspective, uh, what did we learn in that game against Detroit? Is Detroit just a much better team because the Packers were? They had a good first three weeks, right? They looked good over the first three weeks. Tough late loss to the Falcons. Nice comeback win against the Saints. You know, Jordan Love had his ups and downs, but it looked like a nice. Young passing attack was was going to be tough to stop every single week and kind of laid an egg against Detroit. Yeah, I mean, that was a concerning game, I think, for Green Bay because it turned a strength into a weakness. That offensive line, they'd given up nothing. Like Jordan Love, whatever you say about Love and the, um, the receivers and everything there, like they had a brilliant platform to work from every week because they had one of the best pass blocking units in the <coughs> league. And it hadn't been doing the same job on the ground, but, you know, that's the, the lesser important part. And then against the Lions, they just got overwhelmed. They got overran. And if that, if that was actually, if that exposed something, that they'd actually been riding higher than they should have been this season, then maybe they have some worries. And look, this is, this is all a personnel thing, right? Like when David Bakhtiari is there, he's still one of the best left tackles in the NFL, but the, the guy is dealing with a chronic knee injury and now he looks like he's shut down for the year. Um, it's a different it's not the same personnel that they started the season with but if that has become a weakness you know the Raiders have a guy like Max Crosby that can expose that and cause all sorts of problems and wherever you are on the Jordan Love uh, experience so far this season I don't feel like it's one that will be improved by a dramatic downturn in pass protection Devontae Adams revenge game is he healthy we don't, have, we don't have an injury report. I mean, he's not going to be healthy. That looked like a pretty significant Adam's shoulder play. bang. I would imagine he'll play, but I doubt he'll be healthy. I was going to say for Walt, I was going to pick the Raiders. I was going to pick the Raiders for Walt, but he's, he's preaching tank right now in the chat. He wants to tank. He wants to tank already? Yeah, he's already in tank mode. But uh, I, I'm, I'm feeling the Raiders. <laughs> feeling the Raiders here. You're buying into the Eddie Jones party yeah. line. Yeah, we're right be. where we, we've got them right where we want them. 
can't they can't be that bad. Yeah, I was looking. I was trying they to play tough. They've played. They've played tough in three out of four games. So, the through their first twenty-one games, Josh McDaniels has one more win than Tom Cable, Norv Turner, and Dennis Allen. I think are the three that were one win behind him. I was just going through how many more games those three lasted to see, you know, where are we here in this this arc of Josh McDaniels? Norv got another year. Norv got three years there. Uh, Dennis Allen, I think, was done after that year second season i think tom cable might have been done after that second season as well so he kind of needs to figure it out quickly otherwise we might be ending this after this season uh, i'm just running look both teams I've, I've actually been more impressed by both teams than i expected packers and raiders so i think it'll be a pretty fun monday night game i'll take the raiders to cover the two and a half mark, getting two and a half mark davis taking crap from the fans in the in the stands yeah he reads the comments well he was getting- what happened in the stands he was just getting like the Raiders fans were wanting Josh McDaniels fired as they were walking past his suite, and he he seemed to take offense to that. He was shouting back at them. To. I couldn't make out a single word from the entire video, but he seemed to be giving it back to them. Uh, I'm going Green Bay. All right, that's Monday Night Football this week. <sighs> Bye week, and we still took longer. It's yeah. Amazing, pretty amazing. You know that uh, is what there's a I forget what the theory, is, but like the. Things will expand to fit the container. You know, cats oh, do this, right? It's always you put, been a, us. you put a cat in any container, and it'll like it'll take up the full thing, right? Yeah. We will expand to fit whatever amount of space we got. Well, no matter how many games there are, it's two and a half hour show. Yeah, I mean four. Yeah, four games. Two and four a half games, hours. AFC NFC Championship. Yeah, we'll take easy. Take two hours. That's what we do. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we appreciate everybody being here and being here on a Wednesday. We're we're a day early here. We'll see. We'll see how you guys like the day early preview on Wednesday. So that makes tomorrow kind of like mailbag day, GM Steve day. Send us your emails, send us uh, your questions, and we'll have Bob Sturm here previewing a little more Cowboys 49ers. You're not going to want to miss that. So Mm -hmm. appreciate everybody for tuning in. We'll see you again tomorrow with more PFF NFL Podcast.